One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As people make their way in, boom. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't you, take you itself to yourself on your all phone. the game too seriously. All right, turn my phone down, sorry. Oh my good God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shambolic start to uh, today's show. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are here to talk about rugby, and there's been plenty of it to talk about. We're in the Rugby Dungeon. I'm Tim. That's JB. Hello, Tim. And that's Phil. Hello, Tim. Uh, we are currently streaming on YouTube. You can find us. Just go search Egg Chasers, hit subscribe, like, and, um, and yeah, get those comments and thoughts in as we go. Um, uh, equally, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Cocker, he's at JB Moore, we're at Rugby Podcast. And thank you to our supporters on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. That's all the boring stuff out the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I didn't get the memo about wearing shorts. Sorry. Uh, it's just a weather thing, mate. Yeah, it's, it's been a straight, straightforward weather thing. Yeah, 17 degrees today. Yep, beautiful. Get shorts on. Yeah, I, I, I quite sometimes go to, um, well, not. I sometimes go to Greece. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what you're trying to say is you've got a home here and you've got another home elsewhere. When I'm in Greece, quite often we go in like October or like this time of year actually is really nice. And and Brits just are on the beach in like 24 degrees or whatever, obviously. Ah. And you get the locals walking past in coats just going, yeah. what, what are they well, doing? I'm glad you mentioned this because I've got a theory, which is we always start our short wearing too late and then finish it too late too. So I think people start wearing shorts about May, but then they finish about mid-November, October, November. <laughs> it's yeah. Definitely late October. So I always same with the same with the lights. So everyone starts appreciating the light when it's too late, and then it's lights day of the year, and it's the, the you know depressing decline. So I always try and enjoy things from about late late March. Mm-hmm. But often the weather, we've, we've been a bit unlucky this year. The weather has been. Um, Pretty bad. So cold. certainly up here. It's been flipping free. I mean, earlier this week it was below freezing overnight Perfect. for several days. Um, so yeah, we've not been able to enjoy the shorts as much up to this point. Disagree. I'm always in shorts. <laughs> and that that concludes our weather yes. uh, yeah. small Abs- talk segment of of the Ugh. podcast. As our lives got that boring, that weather <laughs> is what we talk about because we can't enjoy a, a Negroni. Uh, well, yet. let's talk about that. I went to a beer garden all Friday and got very drunk. <laughs> Did you enjoy any Negronis? No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think that was on the menu in the uh, Fletcher Moss. Because I, I went to uh, Soho on Thursday evening. Uh, I saw the I saw the footage from Soho and I felt very, very jealous. It was ridiculous. Was it really? It, it, to the point where it was almost impossible to get a drink anywhere. I managed to get one glass of Albarino in a little oyster bar. Is that it? Uh, and one pint... 
um, where, which got a takeaway pint, was stood on the street having, enjoying a takeaway pint al- alongside hundreds of other people. And the police came and moved everyone who what? Was, was not sat down at a table. Move them along. where? What? Well, well, to where? where? What? Along. Honestly, just move. What? Just get. Oh, get I, don't, I don't. I don't want to get into this now because that is. If they did that, that is outrageous. Yes. Well, so I, I don't know what the the laws are on drinking on the street. That is outrageous. Mm. Well, who knows? C- certain areas. Go and have... go and stop some crime for God's sake. <laughs> well, Jeez. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway, it was very good to get amongst it. Anyway. Good. Good. Well, actually, I will sort of segue us back towards rugby via an email from Peter Shaw, uh, who's emailed uh, contact edchasers at gmail Sure. Yeah, oh, he's a doctor, uh, and um, among his many things that, that he's written about, which I might I might mention a few of those as we get through the games. He said uh, at the end of his email, "I'm also attaching a picture of my bar at home because I've come to the realization I'm a drinking man with a rugby problem." In, in, in that I always set my bottles up in a scrum formation. Mm, and he sent us a wonderful picture, which I'll, uh, I'll chuck on Twitter, because I, I think this is a good idea. I'd like to see other scrum formations or, or back lines of, of your booze. Uh, he's got uh, an Italian Aperol representing Parise at number eight. Mm. A Glenlivet Scotch uh, at flanker. Um, Small representing bottle. Hamish Watson. Hamish Watson. Yeah. 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 A uh, Bombay Sapphire gin for Marrow at Lock, a Maro for uh, Castro Giovanni at Prop, and uh, a Rochambeau Irish gin for Rob Herring at Hooker. Lovely. Mm. Among his lineup, I will tweet that one. But uh, very yeah. nice. Thank you very much, Peter. And um, and onto the rugby. Uh, a quick scan over the news. Um, what, what's been going on, Phil? Ooh, a few things. Um, obviously, we had the Lions coaching announcement earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, any surprises from that? In that for for you guys? Uh, well, I mean, they are there on merit. Don't get me wrong, but I also kind of think that they're kind of uninspired too. So I, I really like Townsend being in there. Mm-hmm. Um, McBride and Neil Jenkins just feels like we've seen this before in certainly in, in Wales, yeah, and, and the Lions. You've triggered me. Um, Go on, are you tri- you're, you're often triggered. Yeah, no, What you are you re- triggered about now? Kicking coaches for the Lions. Why? <laughs> can anyone tell me why they need a kicking coach? Well, I haven't... You, you said this, and I, I think a bunch of people have told you, oh, yeah, yeah, kicking coach is really important strategically uh, in terms of assessing the opposition, the game, managing the game plan, and, uh, and supporting with all that kind of stuff. So it isn't just a... There you go, um, Owen, George, Johnny, Dan... Hold the ball in two hands and use your foot well, to swing, so I have, swing your leg. So the thing is, I do know that Jenkins does do things like kicking exits. So mm-hmm. that's fine. So my contention now is not are kicking coaches necessary, because I think they're probably not necessary, but should they be renamed and called, be called strategy coaches? And if they are renamed and called strategy coaches... Why do we need someone who historically is able to dissect a, pair, a set of sticks w- with a ball to do that, do that strategy? A rose by any other name still t- uh, still smells as sweet. So mm. it d- does it really matter what they're called? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> it does to you. Yes, it does. It does. And do you know what? What really got me about all this is the amount of people that stood up for kicking coaches with nothing more than pseudoscience. Well, <laughs> uh, it might help if they if they get the jeeps. Uh, he, he might he might be able to run on information. I can run on information. I can run on information. <laughs> I want to be a quad coach. That's yeah. what I'd be if yeah. I could be added. Lions quad coach. Well, here's, a, here's where I got to this whole thing in the end, right? Which is kicking coaches, if they were really important to do a closed skill for kicking, which is what most people assume that most kicking coaches do, and actually that is the majority of a club's kicking coach's role, is the closed skill of kicking. If it's that important, 
why don't they have their own individual kicking coaches? So uh, some people do. Uh, Gareth, Gareth Steenson. Yeah, but why don't, yeah, why don't they bring them on tour with them, like a golf caddy? So some do, as in, what's the name, Dave Aldred. Oh, yeah. Mm. Toured with, I think, yeah. George Ford and Wilkinson, and I've seen him do stuff with uh, James O'Connor. And Johnny Wilkinson is seconded to, with England, but then obviously doesn't go back with George. But I think he regularly but, keeps in contact with Owen yeah, Farrell and George that, Ford. The fact that he goes with England, I, I sort of think that it should... So George Ford should show up with his briefcase, his tie, his, uh, uh, his little jacket, and also Dave Aldred. That's what he should do. <laughs> and if Dave Aldred is also shared with Owen Farrell, great. But he should show up with Neil Jenkins, and then Dan Baker should show up with someone else. Basically, it should be uh, like assistant attack coach, basically. Because it's what you do with the ball, and the kicking's a huge well, part of that I in the modern game. Yeah, so I wonder if they should... The kicking coach literally does just kicking, and the strategy stuff is so important... Go and get a strategy coach, but then are we then straight? Well, it, it's, it's basically like you have a forwards coach, but then you might have a line-out coach. Yes, it and, is. And you have a, you have an attack coach, but you also have a kicking coach. It's, it's, it's yeah. the same dynamic. One's a sort of overarching, and mm. one's a specific element. But there's also in in that same guys. Well, there's also the skills coach and the attack coach. Yeah, and there's probably depend on the setup. There's probably massive overlap between those two jobs. I'd, yeah, I, I think I think part of it. Certainly, in this instance, not speaking about any others, is that Neil Jenkins is probably very good on tour, as in he's good <laughs> and he's yeah. fun and he brings the camaraderie, and that's a key part of getting this getting the lines together when you've got such a condensed window of time to get the team spirit and get them playing in the right way. You actually yeah. you need characters like that. Like just, Matt, just, Matt Stevens toured in 2013, just, not because he was the third best prop, but partly because he could scrimmage on both sides, but also partly because... Lad, lad, lad. Of, just bring a professional comedian. Well, maybe that's an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but there's, there's always... A professional comedian is going to be on the outside, isn't there? I always there's just, something about being there, yeah. having been there and done it. I just think the idea and the people... Uh, what, I couldn't, what I couldn't quite get over is... People disagreeing with me on on, uh, on, on this. <laughs> Was that is, why you were triggered? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if it's just teaching kicking, and these guys are the best kickers in the world, in the world, maybe some of the best kickers that have ever walked the planet statistically, <laughs> right? Do you think that six weeks with a different kicking coach will improve, make them worse, or they'll probably stay the same? And I'd suggest they probably probably broadly stay the same. Um, it could actually damage them because they're so finely tuned because they're so good already. Well, that, I don't know. I, I suspect how, trying different things generally will be of benefit. Like putting people in different scenarios, getting them thinking a different way. That like is a, generally of benefit. But it's like a golfer changing his swing just before the just before the Masters. No, but it's not, not cause, necessarily. Cause Neil Jenkins isn't saying here, George can, or, or can, whoever Owen Powell, can, well, no. can completely change your your kicking technique. No, no, uh, it's strategic. Definitely, yeah. So. I, I, I think we've gone way too far so, down this rabbit hole. Already. I know that. I know that. I'm just amazed the amount of people that don't know that. Like, yeah, you absolutely need a kicking coach. No, no, you don't need a kicking coach. Strategy coach, fine, but call him that. I, I think you might be right on um, Gats just wants lads on tour. A little I'm bit. not sure about that. To, to, to get that atmosphere uh, straight yeah, away. And I, it, the stories of the last tour, that I mean, the, the coaches used to like, have proper drinking sessions. But this is, this is I, just going down like... The rabbit. This is almost like superstition. Like just bring him along because he's a, like, a good lad. I, I can't no, get on board with that because it's. I, I wouldn't go along the. I think just a good lad 
he's underselling it a little bit. It's the importance of the team building. Yeah, tell you, you talk. You talk, JB, about the importance of drinking a Negroni with yeah. your buddies. Yeah, because it brings you closer together. Absolutely. And that bond, the, the painful experience and the bonding is really, really important, particularly when you've got painful such a condensed stuff. schedule. Yeah, I tell you what, you should, I, I tell you what you should do. You should grab the lions on this day book, and let's see if there's anything in there. Oh, well, just as we're talking lions, let's. just grab that book. This, uh, today's date. Learn from this is absolutely brilliant. 18th of April. 18th of April. Lions on this day. 21st of May. 18th of May. 10th of May. Ooh. 18th of April. Lawrence, uh, 18th of April 1993. Lawrence Lyle scored a try and Nick Beale kicked three conversions as England beat Australia 21 17 to win the inaugural World Cup Sevens tournament. Oh, What's that got to do with anything? That's not Lyle. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I, I watched that on a, on a rugby tour, uh, like under 12s rugby tour. We went to like a holiday park and. Um, yeah, somewhere. I can't remember where. South, on. South Wales, I think. Also playing in the victorious English team was Scrumhoff Mark Dawson. The trio all went on all went on tour South Africa in 1997 with Delalio and Dawson. That's a really like, tenuous come one. Come off it. That is tenuous. Come off it. Hang on. What, how how many on? Lions tours have ever done anything on the 18th of April? That's a good point. It's a very I mean, good point. I mean, some of the old ones were like Ooh, six months long. Crikey. That's a very good um, point. Th- I'm not sure this one is really that relevant, but uh, here we go. <laughs> 19, 1980 tourist Ray Gravel was admitted to hospital with... <laughs> <laughs> I can't read it. <laughs> with what? <laughs> I can't read it. It's too awful. <laughs> Can you give it to Tim to read? Okay. No, it's not funny. It's not funny. And now we're laughing because it's inappropriate. Oh, no. Shall we stop there? That, that book is an abomination outside of touring window <laughs> time. I'm not read it. It's not funny, all right? So don't laugh. <laughs> uh, in 1980, tourist Ray, uh, 1980 tourist Ray Gravel was admitted to hospital with diabetes. <laughs> Oh, God, no. I can't do it. I can't don't, do it. Don't, don't. don't. <laughs> it's not funny. not funny. We're not laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I try? No. <laughs> no, because it's just a fact. We're just reading a from fact, a book. It's just a fact. We're not laughing at it. We're, We're la- laughing at the book. <laughs> um, I admit his hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes related infection. It's not funny. <laughs> that, co- that caused his right leg to be amputated there we go. Below, <laughs> below the knee. Wow. Yeah. Despite the operation, I mean, despite the operation, Gravel's health what? problems. Can- <laughs> Just put God. it down. Put it down. No Stop. <laughs> Don't keep digging, please. That is all. What are they doing? Why is that, that in a book? Yeah. <laughs> this, this book is called The British and Irish Lions on, on this the- day. History, facts, and figures for every day of the year. Unbelievable. Wow. That- I'm glad. We, I'm glad we. I'm glad that we reached. I mean, the 18th like of April. <laughs> Jesus I mean, I, you were right. I have learned things I didn't know there. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I- <laughs> Needed to particularly know those things. <laughs> if I can just put it mildly, I, I read ahead in that little paragraph. It got worse. <laughs> it got worse. It got a lot worse. I'm, I'm glad we didn't finish it off. Um, other news. Yeah, please. Thank um, you, Phil. God. The European Rugby Player of the Players of the Year nominees were announced. Oh. Oh, okay. I didn't see this. So there was how many is that? Fifteen players were announced. Everyone apart from uh, one. Is from the finalist, semi-finalists of the uh, Champions Cup. Let me guess. So a load of La Rochelle, a load of Toulouse, a load of Leinster. Oh, okay. Um, and a load of uh, a few. Jack, Jack one Conan? Bordeaux. No, no, Jack Conan. Uh, ro- uh, Robbie Henshaw. Uh, Henshaw is in there. Yes. Yeah. Henshaw is. 
playing his way into a lion shirt. He's oh, outstanding. He really he's been he's been great this year. He has. He really has. What did you make of uh, Paul O'Connell uh, endorsing Owen Farrell for captain of the Lions? Hmm. I've got lots of thoughts on this. Uh, and, and I want to link it to something which I want to talk about later, which is directors of rugby and leadership and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Effectively, yeah, I guess, you know, he's a good leader. I, I don't think he's the best player, I don't think he's the best, best ten, but I think he's a b- bloody good leader. I, I, it, that does link onto another thing, which is Gatlin saying he might not pick um, England players because of their schedules. Yeah. Um, and then sending his coaches to bloody Doncaster. Yeah. And, uh, Do you know that? Yeah. Was that not Towns- a joke? Was that no. not a joke? No, no, no. I, I, see, I, I see. I saw the picture of the two coaches, but uh, and because they had face masks on, I thought it was someone making a joke about two bald, two bald, blo- two bald blokes at Doncaster. No, they no it was. It, I'm pretty certain it was um, Townsend and Tandy. Oh, to see Saracens, yeah, yeah, to watch the Saracens. Of course, that makes no. sense. Now they were playing Saris. Yeah. yeah, but what exactly do they think they're going to learn? I, God knows, because they, they've only seen them. Three weeks ago, and Doncaster allegedly are furious. Two Owen Farrell high shots, no TMO, just getting away with whatever he wants <laughs> at, the, at, at the moment. Uh, uh, go on, yeah, back back to the um, nominees. Uh, there's one nominee who has played 60 minutes of Heineken Cup rugby. Who might that be? Who he's, might... he's injured for a lot of the season. Say again, one of the nominees, Leinster player, has played 60 minutes of. Heineken Cup rugby. How how can they have got in as player? What that's a farce. It is a bit of a farce. Uh, it's, it's Ty Furlong. Uh, t- yeah. He's obviously an incredible player. That's but has played sixty minutes in the competition. That's this a year. joke. Um, well, yeah, but some, but some teams like lost all their games and got to the quarters. I mean, this isn't uh, one a, team did lose all their games and get yeah, to the quarters. This isn't a normal. This isn't a normal yeah. year. I think but, I, I, but the six the sixty minutes does seem a bit uh, yeah ridiculous. Um, so other nominees. Uh, Aldrit, uh, Lavani Bottier, yep. Dupont, yep. uh, Godan from La Rochelle, yep. Jalibert from Bordeaux, yep. uh, he, he could win it. Jerome Kano, Hugo Keenan, uh, Marchand from Toulouse, Matsushima from Clermont is the only one not in the top four, the, the semi finals. Entomac, Raymond Rule, definitely, who's Raymond Rule's class, uh, actually, in both the, the recent games, last 16 and quarters. Will Skelton and Josh van der Fleer. Excellent. Uh, one little message from Paul Tinks on the, on the live chats uh, said Ronan Agara was kicking coach at Racing when he was much more than that. It's just a name for another coach and it's quite Ooh. often a stepping stone for early on coaches. Well, that's cool. An excuse, that's cool to, get, an excuse to get you mating. So I think you're probably right yeah. on the... On, Attacking on the, assistant, on the, whatever it's called. He's, he's yeah. one of the boys. But, the, but then it's, it's not a stepping stone for Neil Jenkins. No, that, no, no, that is, no, 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 no. So it's his just career, it, it's but yeah, a, it, it's I, a way to crowbar I, your mate uh, in there, yeah. and, and someone who's good on tour. I get that, and can totally. add some value. Yeah, I, yeah, I do not doubt the value of Neil Jenkins or kicking coaches for the record. In fact, uh, Dan Bigger described him as essential for his entire career. So I'm not mm. doubting that. I'm doubting, doubting the role in the context of a Lions tour for six weeks. Very I, good. I did like the um, the people who were. Um, Disagreeing with you, who were kicking coaches themselves? Oh yeah, that, that was marvelous, wasn't it? <laughs> Turkeys voting for Christmas. Yeah, they're worth their weight in gold. Well, it's funny you'd say that. <laughs> I think the same thing about rugby podcasters. <laughs> uh, one, I'll just break this up with one quick email from Billy, who uh, you talked about loving the pod and stuff, and, uh, and obviously he, he said he said lots of stuff like that. Uh, he said equally, this message is, is sent with sadness. Um, it's kind of bit, very bittersweet. This one, hmm. uh, it's a message which is sent to portray gratitude, nonetheless. Um, last week 
uh, my best friend t- took his own life at the age of 31. He was a oh, larger-than-life wow. character, diminutive of stature, yet a giant of a man. Simply put, he was the greatest player almost every single one of his peers played with, an imperious player with a mind that was three steps ahead of any other player on the pitch and a, and a stomach which was three beers ahead of any player <laughs> off it. Uh, he was uh, truly a once-in-a-lifetime player and a once-in-a-lifetime friend. And, and Billy just w- basically was saying how amazing the rugby communities, all the people that have known him and other people that have just rallied around. And I think the reason I mention this, you know, quite a sort of, you know, a dark message and feel really sorry for you, Billy, but it's just uh, just a message to sort of say this, this is actually what rugby does. Even when we're all disconnected physically and we're not able to get together in the way we are, Billy just said, actually, the, the rugby community and the people that he's known for years that he hasn't seen in ages, hasn't played with for ages, have just been absolutely amazing. And I think it just speaks to the, the, the calibre of uh, humans that you get in rugby. So if you've if you've not gone back to your local rugby club or uh, or you stop playing and you want, and actually you sort of feeling a bit disconnected from the world, just you know get back to your local rugby club because it's down. starting to open up. Just go down. Yeah, and and to the point around um, kind of friendships and relationships and and um, team bonds that are forged in the battle of rugby um, are, from my experience, stronger than than any. And it is testament to that fact. Yeah. Mm. And so, Billy, I could I could have made this exactly the same point without mentioning the the, the you know the difficult thing, but um, I just thought actually in the context of it, it just um, it just shines a light on it. And I thought I thought it's topical given that you know rugby clubs are starting to open up again. So get down there because they are amazing places. Mm. Cool, Phil. News. Um, other news. So Rainbow Cup are going to have some law variations. Yeah, this is some, cool. Some of which are being trialed in Super Rugby AU and, and Aotearoa. So the, the three notable ones are red card replacements mm-hmm. love, af- love it. after 20 minutes big fan of that um, goal line dropouts if you're held up so I really like that five I, all, but what I like this because it's what I like is it, you, you you've got to be really accurate I mean it could uh, Austin Healy made a good point he said it could potentially uh, give too much weight to the defensive side, not yeah. not pr- not encourage the attacking side. But you're going to have to be on the money. Yeah, but, but I like the pressure, the pressure, the scrums, the pressure, the scrums, the pressure. I, I'm I'm happy to see less repeated scrums. I'm not I'm not sure I agree with you there. I just don't. I just think that holding the ball up <laughs> is too much of a of a reward now. I mean, I'd almost be looking to engage with a player t- two yards out and try and drag him over the line and hold him up. Because it's such. Oh, a... I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. But also, I might just like lie flat on the floor, fifteen men across yeah, the yeah. goal line. I think that's a, a <laughs> reasonable way to go. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I've seen it because I think Ottawa would do it, or, or um, AU do it. I think AU are doing it, it at the it moment. It doesn't strike me as a massive change to the game. It's not the end no, of the world. No, but I prefer it not to happen. And I, I love. There's been some incredible um, goal line stands where you have had repeated scrums. There's an Australia Argentina one a few years, a good five or six years ago, mm. in the rugby championship that don't, was amazing. Don't forget Bath versus uh, Bath Sale, Sale. In 20, 2017. <laughs> there's six three. What um, a game it was. The, but, um, so I, I love those, but I think too many scrums are ambiguous over a penalty is given and it's ambiguous over who caused the penalty. Yeah, so, so fewer scrums isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, the other one is something that has been trialled in uh, Super Rubiatura and actually came into effect deciding the Chiefs Crusaders game this weekend, which was the captain's challenge. I love this one most of all. So this is the captain can challenge any try scoring decision 
although they need to be specific. They can't just say, I want to look at every single yep. uh, bit of play in the last minute, five minutes up to that um, try scoring, or any specific foul play, or anything in the last five minutes of a game. And in the Chiefs Crusaders game, Chiefs got a turnover with about a minute left on the clock. Crusaders challenged it, but the challenge was incorrect. So they lost the challenge. They, it was deemed to um, have been a correct on-field decision. Ooh. So it's quite an interesting. Um, it's quite interesting. I, I do worry about same same as I mentioned before with the ambiguous scrums. The more times that you review um, slow motion footage of incidents, particularly yeah. rooks um, and malls, the more you will spot well actually multiple infringements. So it it might. Might get everything very pedantic in those last five minutes. Any time a, a team has something that they don't want to happen, happen. That's fair. Well, I think the the two prerequisites for this working is one, it means the TMO can just back off a little bit. You don't need to pipe up every few minutes with a. Oh, you need to have a look at this. Um, just you know, maybe you can let stuff go because the the captains have got the opportunity, and presumably it's much like cricket or tennis if, if they make a challenge and it's upheld then they re- they retain retain, it. retain yeah. the challenge so you know le- leave leave the players and the referee a little bit more tmos you can just yeah sh- shut your trap a bit and um yeah i think that would be for the for the betterment of the game and equally uh, the other thing is if a ref hasn't spotted it on the field then he can skew it in those 50 50s with a oh, well i didn't see it mm. so i'm going to stick with on field yeah mm. um yeah on the court <clears throat> thing i think it's a good a good a good shout. I do not understand. Well, I, I do understand why people say it, but there is a school of thought that this doesn't incentivize. Uh, it, it does warm me up. This that it incentivizes players cheap shotting other um, other players. That's absolutely yeah, ridiculous. I, 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 that is absolute nonsense. <laughs> I love the idea that. Yeah, OK, look, here is your shot for England. Okay. Like, they've just got some um, rowdy plumber on the field who's going to go... And, I mean, you'd know who it yeah, is. Yeah, War- Warren Gatlin's in the stands, yeah. but, so don't worry. You can you can just go off for 20 minutes. So, uh, 20, your team can lose a player for 20 minutes, <laughs> and you can be off the whole game. Just go and wallop someone around the head. Can I run through the idiocy of this of, of, of this plan? So You're going to have to get someone from outside the game to do it, because if you're actually involved in the game in any way... Your career would be so adversely affected by being known as the guy who comes on to hit. I mean, you probably wouldn't be. You probably wouldn't even be allowed to play because your bans would be so long, and you wouldn't be making any money because your fines would be so high. So exactly what you'd be doing, I, I don't know. Well, D- Dylan Hartley could come back out of retirement just to be like the uh, henchman. Yeah, just. I mean, we would know, wouldn't we? And then yeah. we could target him. So uh, it's just it's ridiculous. The other thing as well, which I think people forget about this, and I'm sure many, many papers on criminology have been written in this regard, which is the actual sanctions or the severity of a sanction isn't that effective in stopping people doing what they're going to do. The chance of being caught is a lot more effective. So if your, um, if your train of thought is this is world rugby or rugby not taking player safety seriously. Well, I guess that there's a good chance you don't play the game to start with. But let's say you do and you know what you're ta- uh, and you know what you're ta- ta- talking about. Well, that's absolutely wrong because the biggest disincentive is being caught, not the actual length of the length of the sanction. And 15 broadcast cameras on professional yeah. games now, you're going to get caught. Uh, nobody yeah. wants to lose a player to a red card. Uh, and even even if you get away with it within the 80 minutes, you don't get away with it, generally speaking, just, afterwards, um, and, and you find yourself with a, a hefty ban yeah. that's going to have massive consequences just, for your team and your, for your own career. Let's just picture this scenario. 
Leinster versus Exeter. And Exeter, so Leinster, theoretically put one of their best players on the bench and they call up some thug because they think in the first 20 minutes they'll get more... Adva- they'll get more of an advantage by having this thug run around trying to target Joe Simmons and then after 20 minutes of not having another player they can bring their slightly better player back back on nuts so no that is not a thing which is likely to happen Just, uh, speaking of officiating uh, friend of the pod and all round good yeah. egg JP Doyle is back with the whistle uh, in Major League Rugby and appears to be very much enjoying himself <laughs> It's not my first week doing this. Okay, let me do it. I think it's going to be the area. Get out of there. A little frustration going on here. Obviously, Seattle a little frustrated. Toronto being the aggressors. They want to assert their dominance and, you know, step on the throats a little bit here. And that's just what you got to do. So why are you doing that? Sure. How about you play your game for the blue team? Yes, sir. I love it. Yes, he, uh, there's a whole video doing the rounds on Twitter, which uh, is just uh, some great JP. I can't believe we don't need J, uh, JP, allegedly, in the English game. I just can't believe that he's surplus to, to, to requirement. I know. I, I really like it's, him. It's bizarre. Yeah. Two two other interesting bits of news. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiji Jura and Moana Pacifica have been granted licenses from I think, New Zealand um, Super Rugby for, to potentially enter teams into the 2022 competition. Wonderful. Which don't know. Maybe. I, mean, I, don't, I literally don't know enough about the situation to say if it's going to be good or bad or... I don't know. But, uh, I, mean, so I, th- I think it's external investment to create two pathways for mm. um, talented Great. Pacific Island players. Which, which, you're right, on the face of it, it sounds brilliant. It, there could be disasters if it's um, badly influenced or badly organised, but it, it does sound very good to me. And the other one, this is, this is an interesting one. TJ Perinara is reportedly being tapped up by the Sydney Roosters to go and play in the NRL because Sydney Roosters have a massive problem. They've got multiple injured hookers. So TJ TJ Perinara being picked as a hooker. Feels like a very expensive way to get a replacement hooker, doesn't it? Well, and and this must be also because New Zealand rugby aren't Worry, uh, uh, don't want him centrally contracted anymore. <coughs> Do they not? So, so you imagine having, imagine being that good. You're just like, well, I can take or leave TJ Perinara. The guy's P- class. Potentially, yeah. I, I, I really Was rate him. I actually, I actually think so. He's playing in Japan at the moment. Ah, uh, okay. Um, now I don't know what the situation is. Um, whether he's on a Ben Smith or Dan Carter type sabbatical. Okay. Where he can go do a short term stint yeah. and then come back. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Which, which might be possible, but I, I think he is class. I actually think he would be amazing. I think possibly the one role he could be better than um, Rugby Union scrum half is um, NRL hooker. I think he's absolutely perfect for that role. Maybe. I mean, I don't know really enough about the role of an NRL hooker, but what it does strike me is, is maybe there. I don't know. It just feels to me like there's a little bit more publicity there than maybe rugby need because it does feel like a very expensive way to get yourself a player from a different code. And I can't think of many players that have gone, gone from way. rugby union as a scrum half as a rugby league hooker. So I, I can't think of any. I've, I've never seen it before. Uh, that that he, I can recall. Well, I, th- I think the thing about rugby league is, except for the the, the couple of big Bosch men or absolutely rapid wingers, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. They're all kind of relatively within certain boundaries of size and shape, generally speaking. Hooker, hooker and halfback yeah. are two where it is quite a specific rule because you you, gen- you tend to play kind well, of left that- left and right half, as as halfback dummy half. There you go. Um, 
But I, I think I think Perinari, his physicality, his strength, his speed, and his handling skills so are perfect for that role. It nearly went the other way round. So Kieran Cunningham was about to be signed by the WRU. They literally didn't know where to play him. I bet he yeah. was a rugby league hooker. But he, so he doesn't transfer. He'd have to be scrum half. But that doesn't sound right to me that he'd be any good at that. No, Maybe he would be. I don't know. Scrum Kieran off, well, is too technical. So I, I looked up as um, one of the things I looked up the sizes of rugby league hookers. So just to see, so TJ Perinara is six foot and ninety five kg. Is he? There or thereabouts. That's bigger than I thought. Yeah, yeah Perinara is a he's a big physical yeah. um, scrum half. So I looked up the, the the three hookers I looked up were um, Malcolm Alka, not Malcolm Alka, okay. James, James Ruby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who is shorter and lighter than TJ Perinara? Oh, there you go. Um, Kieran Cunningham. Who is listed as 107? He's shorter, but listed as 107 kg. Oh wow! So wow! I don't know. I don't know where the hell you would play him if you played. He played in because he was he was stocky. Kieran Cunningham was Gareth Hock. Did you look at Gareth? Gareth I didn't look at Gareth Hock. The other one I looked at was the the Australian great um, Cameron Smith, mm-hmm. who's same. I think he's an inch taller, but about five kilos lighter there than TJ Perinara. That'd be cool. I'd I'd, I'd, I'd I might watch the odd. Uh... I'd, NRL I'd, game. I'd really like to see it. And NRL, it's it's a, it's a rich sport. Like some yeah. some Burgess oh, no, did, did not leave Bath and England yeah. money for pittance. It is a well-run, good tournament. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is really, really cutting edge yeah. as a yeah. sports or, um, organization. Sunny, Sunny Bill didn't leave Toulon to go yeah. to go back to well, the, the, I all the All Blacks Thursday night. Uh, UK great Cal Eastman was uh, was playing for Leeds. Oh. Cancel bloody uh, Sky Sports! Oh. I thought I don't. I'll never need this ever again because there's no rugby <laughs> on it. Wrong. Lions coming up as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake. What are you doing? I don't know. I've, I don't know what I've done or, or why I've well, done just it. Just wait, wait a couple <laughs> wait, of months. Yeah, wait till after. And the then Lions. I immediately resubscribe for eighteen pound a month for Sky Sports F one. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen quid a, a race. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That is quite a lot of money. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that, uh, that's all the kind of um, weird and wonderful headline news of the week. That's the news. Uh, oh, we did miss the um, the idea that Gatlin said it would be a coin flip for, for, for English players if they were... Uh, well, if they're in a 50-50 situation, the fact that they're not getting released means that they might not get selected. Bullshit. I'm not sure it, it is. So, so we've, we've seen this before. As in, Gatland has had players who've been playing mm. in it. He's had Falatau... Um, he's had bigger. He's had other players playing yeah. in England, and if they're good enough, they will get picked. Mm. Now, the fifty-fifty thing is, will be an interesting one, it, and I, I probably do agree. If you've got two players who are almost identical, and you get one for an extra couple of weeks, you're probably going to go. But I mean, where are those coin tosses going to come? Yeah, I can't think of two. You're not going to pick a lesser player. No, for no. you're store. not. And if he's you're better anyway, gonna... you're going to pick him. And this exactly. is this yeah, exactly. is um... like, Falatau's playing in England. Fal- Falatau will be going on yeah. the Lions top. Yeah. Over, I guess, who would be the guy? Like Moriarty would be the other option. No, Moriarty you're not going to pick anyone a bit ahead Mor- of I don't like know. Conan. Would be, there you go. Someone in form, playing really well. Number eight, Conan. Debuters. Debuters in England. Debuters yeah. over. Yeah. Who, who's the Reese Reddock? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good shot. They're, 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 they're one A and one B. So, I still pick. I'm not, I'm not sure. Of that. Do you think that conversation is going to be had? I'm not sure that toss up is going to happen. Yeah, I'll, so, t- I'll tell you two players who are very similar who yeah, are playing on. this weekend in stature: um, Stuart Hogg and Jack Noel. They're mm. like they're physically they're, they're 
basically the same height, basically the same weight, similar speed. One's a little bit faster top end, one's a little bit more steppy, but they're both that powerful rump, mm. that powerful chest. Yeah, uh, great to see. So what's going on here is it was I think it was back in it, it was if it if it it might have been earlier, but let's say it was November some time ago now. It was said, um, well, that's the international window, and our premiership is finishing on June the 26th, by the way. So uh, international windows are international windows. Um, Warren, uh, Warren Gatland and the Lions opted voluntarily. It wasn't pre-organised. They said, we're going to have an extra two weeks of tour, getting mm. together and a, and a game. And the premiership said, OK, well... You don't just get our players just because you've decided to do it two weeks early. And I think basically all that's going on here is the Premiership are saying, well, uh, you don't just get to say, so we'll have your players. Just, yeah. like, don't, don't you think the Lions, a massive money-making spinner, should actually say, you want players two weeks early. Premiership clubs are, uh, uh, with no crowds and with no income are spending a, an, a ton of money on these players. It's reasonable to come to an agreement with the Lions where you say, you're making a lot of money out of that game at Murrayfield, television money. Just give these premiership clubs a little bit to to recognise the sacrifice that of, of that they're taking by paying yeah. them a load of money and you're taking them when they're due for their services. I think there's a few things going on here, isn't there? There's like this competition between these two organisations, Premiership and the Lions. Uh, Lions seem to think that, kind of like you're implying, that they're kind of too important and therefore because they've had a game, the Premiership need to, to say, yeah, fine, take our players. On the other hand, they are very important. And I think there's some common sense middle ground here because yeah, what the Premiership needs to remember, and I am phenomenally grateful to all of the owners in the Premiership for funding all this throughout... Um, throughout the pandemic and whatnot, because it does cost them money. And that there are different ways that they get grants, there's different ways they structure their businesses, but ultimately they've ridden this thing through and it's cost them an awful lot of money. So I'm very grateful for what they've done. But the, the counter side to that is in order to get last season done and then to plough through this season and then to get all the internationals in, which are all the things which make the money to make sure the BT Sport comes in. Within the international windows that are pre-agreed. Yeah, yeah, within, yeah. yeah, yeah. But to get all of that done, they've had to ride the players bloody hard. Yeah, since, massively. Yeah, since rugby restarted. Yeah. Now, if these players are being threatened, and this is kind of where I really think it's a little bit underhand, actually, using the players as, as almost like a bargaining chip. Um, which side's using it like a bargaining chip? I'd say the Lions. Yeah, yeah. more than anything else. Okay, yeah. I, I think it is. They're saying, well, That's you right. know, you might not get, get um, you might not get picked. Now that might be that might be serious. It might not be. But I think the Premiership also have to have a think about that and think. Well, okay, it's very rare that a player is good enough to be a Lion, and then they've got to be lucky enough to be in form during that time period and hope that all the competition, all the bits and pieces, fall into place so that they do actually become a Lion because you could be good enough. But you might not be good enough at the right time. You could be good enough, but you might not be as good as your competition. Yeah, or you get just get injured. Yeah. Or something else stops you from playing. And also, only two teams will be playing that weekend, which will be who are Exeter Chiefs. Exeter yeah. and Bristol. And Bristol, and, and, and so using that as a test case, let's say um, Sale Sharks don't make it to the Premiership final. Sorry, JB. Let, let's say they don't for, for the purpose of this. Um, Alex Anderson, absolutely no way in hell. And Simon Orange as well. Uh, uh, owner at sale. There's no way they're saying to Tom Curry, "Sorry, you can't, I you can't, you, you can't go to Jersey." So that's what that, that's what they're saying now. Yeah. But when it came to it, they're not going to yeah. say, "Don't go to Jersey, don't play at Murrayfield." It's not going to happen. Because, that is not going to happen. You increase the value of your assets, i.e., Tom Curry, 
by him going online. Yeah. And, and, and just yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Tom, yeah. and Tom Curry would be massively resentful of that, rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that's, that, will, that, that will not yeah. happen. I'm telling you, that will well, not happen. This is just I, at this moment in time, it's a re, it's a negotiation that should be happening behind the doors. And I don't know why Warren Gatlin made a public statement. I think yeah, it was think really silly low. of him to say it. Uh, because, as you say, it puts players in an awkward position. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, this isn't their fight. And actually, it's it's at boardroom level. Lions need to go, we're making an absolute shed load from this mm-hmm. tour. Yes, we'll give you a little bit of cash. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with all that. I just think that the prim- that you underestimate Premiership Rugby there. I think they will hold the ground together. Uh, they've done it before. Um, Sale have done it before. They didn't let AJ McGinty go to <coughs> Barbarians. I mean, that's a slightly different thing, but still... Mm. Um, I think that they will hold firm. Mm. I do think it's ridiculous for Saracens to take this stance, though. So well, Saracens have said... They're oh, a yeah, shareholder with Premier, uh, Premier yeah. Rugby Limited. So it does show that they have solidarity across the entire yeah. organisation. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think that Warren Gatlin's comments have probably increased that solidarity. Yes. And it, I think it, I think the Lions should pay. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I they think should that, pay. That's the, but there, there'll be certain players, for example, Stuart Hogg, who will definitely be on the Lions tour, um, no, no question whether he's available just for the test matches and could he, well be in a Premiership final when they're playing at Murrayfield. Yeah, yeah, he is not. He he will definitely tour regardless yeah. of whether he's Tom available Curry for those will two definitely weeks. tour even if he's in a Premiership final. Yep, yeah. he will be in a Premiership final. I guarantee that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. As for the uh, just just before we move into these games, uh, a wonderful bit of uh, philosophy from uh, Pen the Baker on our live chat on um, on YouTube right now. Uh, life is like a box of chocolates. It doesn't last long uh, as long if you're fat. I guess that's true. That's that's prophetic there. And, and with that, we'll move on to the actual <laughs> rugby this weekend. Righto. <sighs> Where do you want to start? Friday, oh, Friday there's night? There's so much stuff to get into. Um, in fact, I, I wish we just... We should have just spoke about the, all the premiership and then got some news the, the most, The most uh, significant game was today. I yes. agree with that. I think yeah. today killed off the top four challenge for pretty, well for two teams. Uh, well, no, actually for one team, Leicester. Leicester. Yeah, I think the top four challenge is done now, which is a shame because they were really building something. I mean, they are the twelve points off top yeah. four at not, the moment. Not happening. That's big, isn't it? And and I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Leicester lost going into the game. I predicted them last week that Leicester would win. Mm-hmm. And when there's 15 minutes left on the clock and Leicester are 10 points ahead. I am staggered that Bath came back, but fair play to well, Bath. For absolutely, back. absolutely. I mean, I think it's a poor performance by by, by Bath. Um, yes, but, they but were. a great result. Great result, very poor performance, and they're built back to front. You more, I more watch this team. The more I think it's absolute. Whatever's going on, their coaching, it's just wrong. Mate. I mean, for them to be where they are, um, I'll tell you a really interesting uh, little anecdote from the from this week. Steve Borthwick was doing the press rounds on uh, the Zoom um, on the Zoom calls, and someone asked mm. Steve Borthwick. Um, so you and Bath are, uh, you know, your um, similar sort of sort of teams. How um, how do you see it um, uh, panning out on the weekend? He did not take kindly to this at all. He's like, no, they've got more investment in their squad, and also their coaching team has been a lot long, been together a lot longer than ours. They're much further on than we are, and I think he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. They are built back back to front. They don't seem to have any basics. They had no scrum. Their defence is okay. They like to hit, but they don't like to defend. They're all about attack. Their, their, their breakdown work is sometimes good. It's sometimes shoddy. I just think their their, their basics are awful. So, 
I actually quite like their scrum. They, they struggled a, a bit a few times, but they, they've got a bloody good front row. And they, o, yeah. Obano, um, Jack Walker, who's starting today, and um, Will Stewart. I think Will Stewart's in superb form. Will Stewart is an exceptional player, but they got penalised off the park at, scru- uh, at scrum time. Yeah. No two ways about that. But the, the Bath, in terms of their overall structure, that they did struggle with... Um, I mean, Matavesi com- compared to George Ford. Yeah, at no, ten it is they they won with a guy who's not a ten at ten, um, and they know. and they came back from ten points down with have, twenty minutes left. I have to correct you there. They won with a ten that, that is a ten at ten because Orlando Bailey came. I'll give you that, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah right. they did win. But they played most of the game with a twelve or at ten. They, they 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 played the whole game with either a twelve at ten or a kid at ten. What we're looking at? Yeah, right against against. Yeah. Are, well, the starting number 10 for England. Yeah, I think what we're looking at with Bath is a team that should be dominating English rugby. I really think well, that they should. Well, mate, that's a... I, I just think... I think... No. Why? No. Think about the back rowers, OK? Save you, just just a blank sheet of paper. So uh, you've got Bristol, Exeter, Sale, Harlequins in yeah, this league, they, and you're saying they should, be do- they, should be, they should be dominating English I rugby? I think they are, have got a squad the equal of Bristol, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. No, they don't. Yes, they do. So Im- imagine, uh, Im- imagine that you were, had a, just a blank sheet of paper, and you were picking, for instance, like the best back row in the world, and just listed all all of your back row. You'd probably pick three of their guys fairly high up. I'm not saying they're one, two, and three, but they're probably like you know seven, fifteen, and twenty. <laughs> I mean, I, they're, they're bloody incredible I, players. Yeah, they've, I, they've I, got I, a bunch of incredible players. Yeah, yeah, and I I think they are massively underperforming compared to the talent. Now, this year in particular is difficult for them because so many of their guys are internationals. Yes. Like mm. you've, you've had more than half the Premiership season without... Well, Underhill's been injured, but he would have been in with England without Falatau, Watson. Yeah, Watson, Jonathan Joseph. Uh, Jonathan Joseph didn't, di- di- didn't go with England in the end, and he's been playing but quite well. He's been he, in and out. Yeah, because he, he was in with England in the autumn, which he missed games, and he was um, in the shadow squad. Yeah. And then he had the... Um, the little ban. The thing is with these players, though, right? Is that, red red path as well. Is that you know? Yeah, red path. Like you know that they're internationals. Yeah. And then you have constructed a squad of internationals. Yeah, that's that is a problem. Yeah. So you you know what you've got, and they've resigned them. They've you know they've they've kept this team together for a fair while now. I just you know I really think that if they had a coach the quality of well, frankly, Pat Lam or Baxter. Or Pat, Borthwick. Pat, I mean, Pat Lam is... I think he's the best-paid coach in the world. Yep. Could, could, so, we, could we argue... Could we say... Legit, and I think you could legitimately make a case for this with Bath. Could you say, had this season not been structured in the way it is, where you have games week to week to week to week to week, which has a, a disproportionately large effect on teams with international players, mm-hmm. this year more than any other year, uh, that 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 could potentially be worth two wins out of sixteen. That two two it could turn two of Bath's losses into wins. That's not an unreasonable thing to say with the amount of players they've lost. And if that were the case, then they're they're around top four. Which I think was, that's, yeah, which is what which is what they achieved last season. And I think that's a fair shout. I would say this though: if your job is to con- construct a rugby team, don't buy internationals. Like you know, have a few by all means, and maybe promote a few through the academy. And they play really well, and they become internationals. Don't keep buying in, in buying in internationals. Which internationals have they bought and, in recently? Or, or indeed, resign them. Like you have to construct a squad which which is balanced because you're trying to win the Premiership. Hmm. You're not trying to just win the occasional 
uh, game with, well, with, with a few hey, players. You're preaching to the converted there because I, I, I've said for years there's, there's no point. You might as well buy, get a load of South Africans in. There's actually no point buying top-end uh, English talent into your squad and you know look at Harlequins and the difference in their side when they don't have when Marla Brown and Kerr aren't England internationals yeah. versus when and they are. that's a good example, isn't it? That's an example of a team which have got really lucky with international call-ups, have got the consistency. But then, when you look at Bath play, you don't think, oh yeah, if only they if, if only they were together for a bit longer. You look at them and you think, they're clueless. They're well, absolutely clueless. Well, I'll put, it, I'll put it another way. Sorry, Phil. I, I'll, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate I'm hogging the mic a little bit. But, <laughs> um, I'll just jump in with Quinns as well and I'll say, don't you think out of 16 games, had Marcus Smith had what you wanted and been an England international, that could have been worth at least a couple of defeats for Quinns that yes, are wins because I'd, I'd, 100%. Yeah, I'd say so, and then, and then suddenly Quinns are in 7th or 8th yeah. position Quinns so are very, very lucky I, I, I don't think you can make huge sweeping statements like like you are with Bath in this particular season well, I, I, I agree the yeah. effect having internationals has had and I dislike the fact that that is the case but I don't think you can just write it off because I think Quinns could quite easily if Marcus Smith had been England's 10 as so many people were clamouring for they'd be 10 or 15 points worse off and Bath could be 10, 15 points better off if they if it was a normal season I think yeah, look Quinns have been lucky because obviously Marl is yeah. an excellent player and he's been awesome this season Marcus Smith's been awesome I mean on form Danny Kerr's probably one of the best scrum offs in, in, in the Premiership his try scoring form certainly, certainly suggests that <laughs> yeah so, and he's hugely influential on them yeah. and Brown is arguably the, the form English fullback, albeit uh, Max Mallins after this weekend might say a thing or two about that. Yeah. The, the Leicester team that faced off against Bath today was not the same calibre, man man for man, except for yeah. George Ford. And like they didn't even react to George Ford. I mean, George Ford was kicking over the back three of his head continuously all game. He thought, I was thinking, like, are they not going to be aware of this at some point? Did he, did he do a spiral bomb today? Did, did he did, do a spiral bomb? Uh, did, they would have mentioned it if he'd done a spiral bomb. I hmm. don't remember anyone mentioning one. Maybe. Maybe maybe they didn't then. Maybe, he must not have done. No. Must not no. have done a spiral bomb. There, there are a few things about people talking about kicking, right? Um, I heard someone the other day describe how you execute a kick by kicking through the ball. As opposed to what? <laughs> like, what else would you do? Like, kick past the ball? <laughs> Can you... I'm just trying to think. There's no other way to kick a ball, is there? Except for well, kicking through it. You, well, slice the ball? Can, you can do, like, a punch kick, as in... No follow-through. Yeah, no follow-through. You stop you, as you make contact with it. Yes, you could do like that. You, like, imagine you're trying to put backspin on a snooker ball. You can also do the the spiral kick to to touch where you kick it off the outside of your foot slice it almost yeah banana it well it kind of goes straight well that's how I used to kick it but almost you, you, your toes pointing in inwards yeah I just it's one of those phrases are you where... a kicking coach Tim yeah 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 well I can be <laughs> I'm, I'm good on the beers Gats <laughs> yeah. you want a six week contract <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things it, 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 it's like a it's something you say to sound I don't know it just it just it's one of those things that I think, well, obviously, yeah. obviously that is the thing that you do. You kick yeah. through the ball. Well, yes. uh, the one thing I will say for Bath today is, uh, you know, and you, you've, you have been critical of Stuart Hooper. I think you don't win a game in the manner that Bath won that game without being a pretty united group of men. I think, strange enough, with the players, I, I don't know if I can say this. Um, I just think, uh, no, they are so... 
they're so bought into that. Oh, it, it, no, it, no, forget it. It you, doesn't matter. So, so I agree with your statement. Yes, so. I agree with that statement. Too. They're very bought into it. They are a very, a very united team. And and Leicester are, I think Leicester are a really well organised, well drilled team. They're good defensively. They're, they're very good tactically. They are not superstars. Mm. Uh, George Ford is a superstar. The majority of this team are not super, you, superstars. Superstar. I'm certain of it now. I know I said last week and the week before that, and Tim said it multiple times. Freddie Stewart is a superstar. Freddie, Freddie He's Stewart is a bona fide. Superstar. You just feel so like oh, it's all right. Freddie's back there. Safe. Everything's okay. Jesus yeah. Christ! He comes from every single angle to catch that ball. Yeah, and, and it's he just, gets up and he's so yeah. tall. Is reading the game, is, but he's is always excellent. under the ball. Yeah, he's always under the ball. You you yeah. never sort of go like sometimes with Elliot Daly, who I don't blame Elliot Daly for because he's not a fullback. Yeah, but um, those times where Elliot Daly's had to sort of cover, use all of his gas to cover fifty meters to make up he for the is. fact he was out of position. Freddie Stewart's just there outside of maybe Israel Folau. I don't know who gets up in the air better hmm. than, than Freddie Stewart. Dan bigger, maybe Dan bigger, Dan bigger, maybe Dan bigger on his own kick chase, but kicking the yeah. ball to him. Yeah. He looks he looks like an absolute superstar. I thought um what's his name looks good? The twelve Dan little, Kelly. Dan Kelly looks Dan, very, Dan very Kelly good. Looks oh great. Well, Yeah, very good. So uh what did uh, Borthwick say this week, which you all like? I certainly liked it. He said that, you know, as they're building this squad, the three things they're focused on defence, breakdown, set piece. I thought you were gonna go defence. Defence. <laughs> Defence. <laughs> Defence, line speed, wolves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a great way to start. If you get those foundations in... Yeah, and, that, that's, and that's why I think Bath do need credit. The, the team that was on the pitch in the last 10 minutes when they came back from, from 10 points down to win the game, with they're breaking down a very good... not man for man necessarily but a very well drilled and intelligent team a team that had controlled the game really well intelligent except when Jasper Visa yeah. just so, uh, gives away a brain dead pen so yeah. to win that so to, for Leicester to win that they have to play not a perfect game but a very very high end game everyone has to play yeah. at the, the maximum of their ability pretty much and then as soon as Visa has a little tantrum which was so stupid I mean I like know. alpha male moves from yes, alpha male well. men <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was stupid. And I, I also thought the penalty was a bit harsh. But then, you know, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That would be easier, wouldn't it? Could do it. And yeah, um, that. Well done, Bath. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Bath. And oh, there was something. It will come back to me. It will come back to me. There was something pertinent that I felt. Uh, but what I will what I will say this is from Burge uh, on the on the live chat who says on, on Quins we just sort of mentioned the comparison between Bath Quins have constructed a great team and a decent squad but are in trouble when Marcus finally gets the call up he deserves. Yeah, because he is he is so unique. They, I mean, is there a bigger drop off between one A and one B? Maybe George Ford at um, yeah at Leicester. Mm. What do you think Think about this? George Ford was doing um, interviews during the week and he was asked about the situation of 10 for Leicester Tigers. And he said, basically... No, he didn't say basically. He did say this. He said that he's very happy with the strength and depth and this, that and the other. And this is something which Dan Bigger said on Rugby Dungeon when I was like, you know, how do you interact with, interact with other 10s? Uh, because, of course, I think of Dan Bigger as an absolute assassin for other tens <laughs> you know, in his own club. Um, but they they both, they they both were praising the strength of depth. Do you, I just can't imagine that they're serious about that. Or 
maybe they're so comp- confident in their own ability. Like, if you had two guys who were broadly equivalent, I wonder if they'd be quite so complimentary about each other. I think particularly in the case of George Ford and Dan Bigger, who know they're going to be away yeah. for large chunks of the season, it's in their interest. When they come back, they want to be in a team that's they can Do push it. on yeah. to win, win that, titles. It didn't strike me that Burns and Priestland worked particularly well together. Yeah. Um, I think Burns and Priestland, because there was always that question mark over who was in, yeah. supposed to be, whereas George Ford and Dan Bigger, no. I mean, Bigger's arguably the one with slightly more pressure on him in great, from Grayson, but there's still no pressure. Dan Bigger is the starting fly half for Northampton. Yes. And that, there, is, there is no concern or no question from anyone about that. So they're very happy with um, McPhillips and yeah, Zach, Zach, Henry. Zach Henry. Yeah, yeah. they think they're both and some good. Bonilla. Bonilla. Uh, is he not gone at the end of the year? Well, I don't know. He, he but... might go at the end of the year. He's, he's still there now, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's an interesting point that they must be either very, very secure, or they're lying through their teeth. Because I can't imagine <laughs> that they'd be so um, accommodating if uh, someone was breathing down their neck. I mean, it, the finals is, and stuff. There is an element in in most of those player interviews that you just have to take everything with a pinch of salt because it's they are always going to tow the party line. Yeah. So, uh, I did remember what I was going to say, and I, I'm only saying this. I have said it many times before, and it's so easy to say. It. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but when George Ford slotted the penalty with uh, whatever it was, ten minutes to go. Yeah, uh, you got, eight, you got two eight, in the last fifteen minutes. Eight, eight, well, it was like one with like seven minutes to go. Yeah, uh, that put Leicester six clear. They were three clear. Six obviously gives them a six-point buffer, and as it turned out, had Ben Spencer not kicked the conversion, it would have been uh, yeah. decisive. But I have said before that when when time's running down the clock, keeping it near the opponent's line and giving them a hundred meters to go mm. is a is actually not a bad position to be in. And sometimes taking three points and then conceding all that territory. Which is yeah. so hard to, to get. I mean, Leicester were one point away from beating a team who scored three tries to their one. Yeah. So yeah. I quite enjoyed the fact that they were kicking their points all yeah. the time, just building that score, keeping scoreboard pressure on, and making Bath have to play. Yeah, but you, you're right, the, with hindsight... Oh, it's always 20 Yeah, it, arguably it would have been better to stick it in the corner, keep up the jumper, and eat up did, as much of that last 10 minutes. Do you notice can. how Zach Mercer was scrummaging? Yeah, he was off the scrum until the hit, and he timed the hit. What what impressed me about that was how well he timed it, because he timed it so that he arrived from out of the scrum, not yeah. bound on, to his shoulders up the scr- uh, up the second row at the moment they they hit. It was very yeah. I, it really stood out to me that you think you've seen quite a lot of stuff, and I've never mm. seen that before. Uh, like one, did you see it, Phil? I didn't watch, notice like, it. One, one I... hand on, one hand on on the deck. So one of the reasons that's interesting to me. Aside from Bath, Bath scrum actually got battered. But actually, Bath have got a great scrum coach too. When, when you say battered, it was all hinging pens. It was no, they never took a step. Backwards. If you're hinging, you're getting battered. No, I know, but they never took a step backwards. It was they were, they were technical pens. Well, if you're hinging, you're not doing a great job. So either way, um, I, I think saying getting battered is a bit. They were getting battered. Look, bit of an look, exaggeration. look at the pens. They were getting hammered. Mm. Um, if you have you ever seen the video about social loafing? Yes. Uh, right. No. Well, I know about social loafing from my psychology days. Ah, it's right. Just, yeah. There's just so there's a social loafing video on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, and they've got a. I think it's a bunch of kids. It might actually be all blacks. I'm not sure if it's all blacks or kids. It's one or two. Let's call it all blacks. And they're just doing like clapping in a circle. So like you clap and you clap really loud, and then you clap and you, you both then start clapping less loud, and I clap and I clap less loud yeah. because you know, as you know, Tim, social loafing, right? You don't 
clap as loud because everyone else is doing the work for doing the work for you. Yeah. So they were applying. It's also why communism doesn't work. Exactly right. So <laughs> they um, and scrimmaging. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So they're saying like you are. You might not be putting in your maximum effort because you think the, the guy next to you is putting in your their um, maximum effort, and no one can really hold you accountable. So Ireland got over this little problem. They used to be building their scrum from the number eight. So they'd start with the mindset the number eight does the most pushing, even though it's clearly false, just to make sure that number eight in the back row were it's really, really pushing. Yeah. So I like the fact that, that Zach Mercer was actually pushing. Very good. I like the um, I like the game theory element of it. Mm. Uh, you you are right that um, uh, you know last week we were saying I think Leicester might challenge and I came away from seeing Leicester at New, uh, against Newcastle thinking yeah that they can challenge they can challenge and yeah you're right in in one conversion from Ben Spencer and obviously there's 80 minutes yeah. contributed to that but that, in that one conversion any chances I think were dashed yeah. yes and now they're in a in a battle to try and get top six. If they want top six, it, I, don't, that. Court, I mean, nah, they they want top six. Of they, they, they do. do. Leicester, if you ask any fans, they do. But I guess the point I'm making is this: this is a young team um, on a journey. They they are on are a they journey. On a journey. They're on a journey. Yeah, oh, young right. team on a journey. But they they don't have the strength and depth as some of the other teams who will definitely want to be competing in. Um, the Heineken Cup, it is not always the best thing you know, to get I, top six. That's that's the point I'm making. I look at their I look at their squad, <clears throat> and I do think, are they spending their salary cap? It doesn't feel well, like they, they are. They've they've cut so many players over the last few years. Yeah, and like the more in season they've cut players. Well, technically they're still paying for uh, <laughs> four or five of them. Ma- a bit of Manu Tuolangi, and they're still paying for a, a whole Kalisman. chunk of Jordan Taufua and oh, no, no, Taufua I think has gone legitimately cause no 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 yeah, no, was... no they're gone but they would have had to have paid him off no because no, Taufua no. resigned didn't he oh he resigned uh, oh, the, 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 the others that they the others that they Toulouse severed Vianu, Toulouse Vianu uh, Noel yeah. Reed, yeah. Uh, Bateman Greg Bateman they're, they're still paying for them now it would, wouldn't surprise me so so they'll have money to spend they are probably are spending spending the cap it, but they will have a big chunk of money to spend next season well, and beyond it. and if they've got a good bunch of players now it dep- what do they do with that with, with that salary cap? Because I think what they should do, uh, yeah. So we'll give it all few, to George few Ford. More, few more tens. A few, a few no, more tens. Give it all to George Ford. <laughs> an extra four hundred k for George Ford. Lock up the younger players for, for, for even longer. That, Freddie, that, Freddie Stewart. That is what George Martin, uh, Dan Kelly, Van Portfleet. Yeah, all these yeah. guys just like you know, give them some more money because before you know it, they're going to be starters and then they're going to be really good starters. And Joe Hayes, they'll all go Joe to Hayes. England. Although his his discipline was bad when he came on today. Then they'll all go to England. Then you'll wasted your money. <laughs> so go and buy South Africans. <laughs> more, South <laughs> yeah, more South Africans. That, that is the, that another is the um, uh, Liebenberg and Brink. Uh, yeah, and let's jump from sort of that battle at the top to there's another gap that has appeared below Leicester. Uh, where yeah. that those four are now adrift, and we can sort of like we can just mention Worcester in cursory fashion. They are bad. You've got to ask questions now. They are you? bad. Like, they've, they've obviously made some management decisions, haven't they, at Worcester? And they've said, okay, we don't really like Solly. We're going to go with John Thomas. I think uh, probably looking at Solomon leaving sooner rather than later. They don't look any better under Jonathan Thomas than, than what they did under Solly. No, this was. Uh, pretty much as close to full strength as they can put out. Yeah. Um, subject to with a few injuries. Yeah. Duncan like, Weir, Nick David. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Milani, Ashton. Milani Nanai. Milani Nanai. Yeah. But th- this is 
this is the strongest team that they could put out. Yeah. So they were they were going for this game, and they got battered. They got they absolutely, got absolutely battered. by by a very good um, and buoyant Harlequins team who are getting results um, all over the place. To pieces. Yes. Yeah, it's disappointing. One win for Worcester, a team which I thought at the start of the season were well coached, well put together. Yeah, they seem to have gone backwards. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, it's kind of what we had always complained about. Well, what we I still complain about with the lack of relegation um, this season and looking like if it gets signed off by the RFU Council uh, the next four seasons. Oh, just one thing on that, by the way. Um, again, so the story's uh, been out for a little while now um, that. The, the proposal to extend no relegation and maybe expand the Premiership to fourteen Fourth, teams yeah. for up to f- for up to four years. What? So the, the Premiership clubs appear, if Chris Foy from the Daily Mail's article is to be believed, behind closed doors they appear to have come up with this proposal, which then goes to the RFU Council to get signed off. What are the RFU count? What are the RFU doing signing that off? Because aren't they? Uh, I'm just thinking about this on in basic terms. Aren't they a union that represents? All rugby union clubs in England, like you and me, Dig- Digby Talk H, me at Broughton Park and Phil Sedgley Park, they represent those members, and they're signing off unilaterally a call that's gonna that's uh, yeah. gonna actually peel the Premiership away from every other club in their whole pyramid of clubs. But I, you know, so in my mind, I don't care about that. I don't think it is beneficial to have the pyramid structure. I don't think that professional rugby and amateur rugby no, 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 but I, interface. No, I understand that, well. but what? what the, but the RFU shouldn't be going. Yeah, well, but they, cool, great. I don't really get why. I mean, if I was a Premiership, I think I'd go one step further and get rid of the RFU altogether. I don't know why. <laughs> they, why they, I, I they, think that will happen in four years. Well, I don't know why they need them. I mean, I don't. I, I seriously, I seriously do do, do not know. Uh, yes, there's what? the unholy alliance that goes on between the players and, and whatnot. But it strikes me that being in, in for a much easier world, a much easier life, if um, they did get rid of uh, the, the the RFU and just went their own independent way. But then you've, you've got the 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 most. The best brand in England is England rugby mm. and the Six Nations. Yeah, that, and so everything, all the best players go through yeah. that. So there has to be, even though they, in some regards, they don't need each other. They, the, the RFU needs the Premiership because it needs the England players. The Premiership needs the RFU because it needs the the global stage for their superstars. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's people in the so there's people in the RFU who will tell you that. You know, it's all about the RFU, and it's the future. You know, and that is the future. There's people in world rugby who will say that they believe that the club game is um, is the future. There's lots of different thinking about which way the game can go, and I don't think anyone knows for certain until it actually develops. In terms of the Premiership and the ring fencing, my view on this has been very straightforward, which is you can ring fence your league, providing you've got all of the other rules that go with it. And as for amateur rugby, which is what I think the championship should be ultimately. No, absolutely not. Well, I just uh, you know you'd have to. You'd have absolutely to, not. I we don't know the counterfactual of a different structure. Yes, we that. do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Well, Look at well, France. Similar size population. That's not a counterfactual. Uh, well, it, it, as as in a different model, a different way to go. Yeah. So France. Um, so this is what England. This is what rugby in England should look like. And a lot of people go look at the championship now and say they can't compete and teams aren't going to come up. So th- there's no point uh, having a structure that includes them. Just ring fence it. But that is only the situation it is because of decade or two decades of massively underfunding the championship. The RFU paying for every Premiership club to have an academy, which has fed their own playing uh, squads. Um, 
having parachute payments for teams coming down and massive disparity in the amount of money between premiership uh, clubs and championship. So you can't compete. But the perfect uh, example of what it would look like if you'd spread the money a bit thinner is what's happened in France, who have two professional divisions. The TV deal is split between the two of them, two-thirds mm-hmm. to one-third, so you get actual proper money down in Division 2. As a result, they're able to invest in infrastructure, better stadiums, f- loads of thousands of people start going. They're growing the game in areas of the country that have, have not been rugby traditional hotbeds, like northern France, Brittany and stuff, where uh, Van are challenging for promotion to the Pro 14. Now, that would be the equivalent of Leeds becoming a rugby union hotbed with... 7,000 people turning up to uh, Headingley and getting into the Premiership, which is exactly what rugby needs. Clubs like Newcastle and Leeds and Sale to get 10, 12,000 people again. And, you know, a, a team in Cumbria or a team in Norfolk or whatever, uh, that's what's actually happened in France because they've come up with a TV deal which includes those two leagues and it's gone so well that they now have a professional third division. Yeah. I... And the, the the population of France, the the... the traditional amount of rugby playing uh, people the, the the rugby television audience is all compar- more comparable with England than England is with any other country that people try and point to like Ireland and New Zealand as examples of how they should run it and so the actual example of what England should do is right there t- 14 miles across the channel yeah so it doesn't strike me necessarily as that the the best way to go or the way to get the the difference Let's get rid of the dis- dis- disparity between the Premiership and the Championship is to actually make it a bigger disparity between the Championship and the level below that, or then the level below that and the level below that. And I also don't think that we need that many professional players or, or that many professional teams. I don't think it's a. So don't you, think it's a good way. Do you think France should should just say go, go just have a, a shut shop top fourteen and that would be better for them? Well, each model depends on what the members want and what the owners want because ultimately it is their money. Um, but I, I would think about things like. But the owner, what's the what's the owners got to do with it? Everything. Is, every single one of those. Every it, single one they, of those premiership. Well, no, every single one of those premiership rugby club owners bought a rugby club when they knew pre, when they knew relegation was part of the deal. You don't get to like buy your. You don't get to buy your way in and then change the rules. I think you do. Or, well, you do clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that, that might be exactly what. Well, that, well, that, that's but, exactly what's happening. But that, that's that's cartel behaviour. Well, but, again, that's fine because they own they own the thing. They, you know, they they own it. So you do have to respect that it is their capital, and you know they get they get to make make these decisions. Now, on the broader issue of, uh, broader issue of rugby, um, we are looking at all this concussion debate and you know all the things which are coming down the pipeline allegedly at some point and i do think we'd be very wise to separate off a big portion of the amateur game right and that could be all the way up to to, to, the, to the championship from the professional game and i'm not entirely sure we need more professional players i don't think it's a I don't think it'd be it'd be good to have a weaker like pro de deux exposed to all of the issues which the premiership and the top 14 are going to be exposed to at some point that's a really Weak reason to I don't make make rugby and also, amateur outside of Premiership. And also, we do not know. Um, there is, I mean, there is no counterfactual to say. Uh, what if we just regionalise the Championship? That- well, no, you, you, you said this before, and I get that. Yeah. But I, I, all I'm saying is, and we don't know. We don't know uh, what that looks like. All, all I've said, yeah, I'll tell you one thing: we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what in, what English club rugby looks like when the top division doesn't act like a cartel. That's what we don't understand. And when the RFU funds academies in Nottingham and in 
in Covent, uh, well, I'm trying to Coventry, obviously, there's wasps. And in Cornwall, in Penzance, rather than just giving premiership clubs, which already keep all of their own TV money themselves, and the RFU pay for their academies too. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't get that. And, yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if there is a massive advantage to putting money or, give, or giving premiership clubs responsibility for premiership academies. Well, they don't give them responsibility. Well, they give them responsibility. Yeah, they you, also give them a shed load of money. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, that's, and, that's, and that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. know if there's an advantage to doing that when actually, if they just said, do you know what? Premiership rugby, keep keep uh, keep your players, keep what you know, do whatever you do. Um, we're going to keep this money and we'll distribute it among all of the community clubs. And I wonder if you'd get more or less players. I don't I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that a professional. I, it's purely my, my view, but that professional rugby should be professional. I look at things like the NFL, for example. They they, they don't bother with academies. They <clears> just have a league. And I think I would like to. I'd like the Premiership clubs to be doing less, actually, and then just hive off and have their own, their own, their own, their own little thing. It does, you know, if you're a real big club guy, a champ, uh, like, uh, and you've got a, champ, a championship team, I think you'd rather go and watch lots of local derbies. I mean, that's what would get me excited. That's what gets me excited for my club. That's why I don't have a championship team, I guess. The, the- the biggest games from, from having played in that league, the biggest games was always the biggest teams coming. I yeah, it's the opportunity to go and play a Leeds or an Exeter Saracens. Or, like now Saracens, like that. That would be if there were fans in. That would be they would Doncaster would get twice the number of fans that they would get on a normal weekend because you've got the opportunity to play yeah. the best in the world. But that's like a once a yo. Know, once a year, I think. Well, because right? you'd have, I don't know, at the moment, yes, but Ealing now, they're a very good team. Mm. Like, when London Welsh went up, you had, um, what do you have, Irish and well, Bristol and Newcastle at various points, or Bristol and, and Irish, and or Bristol and Worcester. And when London Irish first came, uh, London Welsh, sorry, first came up, Sale almost went down had London Welsh not had that points deduction. Yeah, I do think um, that getting rid of relegation is a mistake in the guise it is. But yeah, I don't yeah. think that closing off I the think, league is a disaster. I think we're, we're all in that. Yeah. With that, and I, I'm. So the, one of the th- one of the reasons why um, France can do what it does at the moment is because of the money. The, like there is the enormous TV deal, but the, and there, there is yeah. more money in the game. Like a lot of the Championship clubs, if they didn't have the handouts from the RFU historically, um, which I know a lot of those have been turned off now. They wouldn't be able to yep. make ends meet at all. But they would if the TV deal was if if, if you took a long term. It's not, the, it's no, not no, the TV deal though, is it? No, well, no, no, no. But, it, but it's a great example of what you could do. And here's what you could imagine happened. So in France, on a Thursday night, you sit down and you watch a couple of pro de deux games. I do like that. Yeah, and, and then over the course of Thursday to Sunday night, the last game is an 8 p.m. kickoff on a Sunday night. In between, you have games. All over the time, and when there's a top fourteen and a French second division game on, that's sixteen clubs. That's eight games and seven. This is fifteen live rugby games every single league weekend on Canal Plus, spread right across the schedule. It's like the European Cup round of sixteen that we loved. It was that much rugby. Every weekend, <laughs> but that, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is yeah. Christ, that, I'm not, I'm, no, no, no. But, Tim, but I'm trying to do a podcast here. I don't, I don't have enough time to watch 16 <laughs> games every yeah. week. It, it's you, you wouldn't watch them all. But my point being yeah. is, you, you get, you get that kind of one channel 
subscriptions worth it kind of feel. Two thirds of the money, like I say, goes to the top fourteen. Who could say Racing and you know Claremont could say, hold on, I don't want. I don't want that second uh, division club to get a third I'm, of the cash. I'm interested. Has anyone actually watched a Prodigy game? I, I, we don't I, live in I, France, I and we don't get. Can't we can't get it, it on Canal Plus, I can mean, we? I, the reason I ask that is, is it even? I don't know if it. I'm being dead serious now. Is it I've, worth watching? So I've seen some highlights of it. There's always some ludicrous either yeah. fights or <laughs> yeah. hundred meter. Tries. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but one thing, just just to jump back, I, I, you have said weeks in weeks past and on some YouTube channel videos you've said oh the fact that the French got this massive TV deal this is really bad news for English rugby what you're not recognising is that two thirds of that French TV deal is for the top 14 one third of it is for the French second division don't see why uh, what's the context well, because, because you were saying look at the size of this TV deal it's no no look at the size of the increase of the TV deal yeah look at the size of the increase of the TV deal but part of that is the fact that they're spreading it across 15 games, not six. Are you saying that the 16% increase in the French TV deal is for the Pro de Deux? No, what I'm saying is it's because there are, it's because Canal Plus are buying 15 live games a weekend, not six. So you're saying that they've had an increase in games? They now broadcast every single game, yeah. So, so the, the increase in the French TV deal is purely down to the increase in broadcastable games? They now have a whole weekend schedule full of games which they can then advertise in between, so yes. So did they, yeah, and I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the answer did, to that. Did, is that a new thing, as in that new I think, bro- I think broadcasting every so single I, game is, I yeah. would be very surprised if the Premiership turned around to whoever it is and said, look, we've just gone and bought the Green King IPA or whatever it's yeah. called. Give us 18% yeah, more. But that's, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's now. S- that's now. But that's what I'm saying. You're, you can't, you're comparing apples with oranges when you say the Championship has been... Like every sec- French second division club has an academy and has to have an academy and has to have a stadium of five thousand to get in there, uh-huh. um, uh, and so you're but you're comparing a, a, a league which has been hobbled at the knees for the last fifteen years and comparing it to a team that actually someone's taken a long term view and gone in the future well, we can grow something really big here and that's what's happened in France so you have to take a long term view and go let's tie in the Green King Championship and it will instantly become way better I, I, I'm just not sure there's the appetite for it no, but I, 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 yeah. I, I like the aspiration and I, I, I like, I like that games. yeah I like I like that vision and I, w- w- certainly a few years ago when we were watching um, the playoffs for the Green King IPA and we were watching Cornish Pirates and yeah. London Welsh right. and that the, game the between Worcester and the um, Worcester Bristol game was was the best the rugby on TV but those individual things Make, like, absolutely amazing! Great stories, great spectacle. I'm not sure if there was if there was an extra six Green King IPA games available per week. I certainly would. I'd, I might catch some of the highlights. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be, be watching. Them. Well, they, well, they did used to be on TV. Of course, we didn't watch. Yeah, but if you were from Penzant, if you were from yeah, if you were yeah. from Cornwall, you might tune in and watch Cornish Pirates. You but, might, but, but then, like, but then there's a, viewing numbers of the Premiership, and then and the, there's an issue there of well, do you? Um, because you've got Sky anyway, do you watch it on Sky rather or BT rather than go to the go to the ground? And I think both is yeah. both is true. You watch the away games, you'll, you'll, yeah. go, you'll go to the home games more likely. Anyway, all I'm saying yeah. is, Van in Brittany didn't care about rugby five ten years ago either, and they do now. Mm. Yeah, which, signed, which is uh, good. They've signed uh, the Colossus da- uh, Dar- Darren da- Barry. Darren Barry had to go with Henry Trinder. Hell of a lad. Yeah, Trinder, Trinder, Darren Barry, and Abendon. Benders. Benders. This was kind of, one of what part of my video was talking about. 
um, which was we're going to start losing those sort of squad players. And I always thought it was going to be to the top 14. I never thought of it going to be to Pro de Deux. Well, that's because, well the, that's because one third of their TV deal is for Pro, Pro de Deux. Pro is my, maybe and, the one that's going to bleed the players. And Premiership, like this, the squeeze middle, which we've spoken about for a few mm, years, but yeah. that has just been exacerbated because of the, the cut in salary cap. So going from 7.6 million to 5.6 yeah. million, yeah. it's massive. And Semi Randrandra is not taking a pay cut. Nor should uh, he. George Ford is not taking a pay cut. <laughs> it, it's the. The squeeze middle, it's the bottom end or the, the middle players, which is not not to say that they are bad players. They are very, very good players and they're very important yeah. players. But um, that is what's going to happen. Well, you know, just let's take Darren, Darren Barry, for example, for example. I mean, a lot of people are listening to this going, Darren who? Right? <laughs> a really good, serviceable second row. The kind of guy that you need coming off the bench. Uh, every club uh, ha- uh, has them. Phillips in sale or, yep. you know, they're everywhere. And they are really important when you're trying to put together a squad for an entire season. That's the sort of player that will be going. But you wouldn't spend a lot on that that guy. No, no, no. Well, and, and that's the point. Yeah, and that, that's that the point, is isn't the point. it? Yeah. But and that is the that is the problem mm. with the, the squeeze middle because as all the superstars payments have gone up, those those kind of players they're actually probably over the last ten fifteen years the average salary for those players has gone down. Yeah, because it makes more sense for you to pay for your England players, knowing that the RFU will top it up. So you see less of them, you pay them more, the RFU top them up. That's, they're the only people that people that you can keep. And ironically, yeah. the more reliant you get on the RFU, the less you see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Certainly I'll, this season uh, as well. I'll, I'll, I'll refer everyone to our podcast where we actually said, all right, well, if relegation is going to happen, how do we deal with it? And we came up with loads of ideas. My, my thought is, unfortunately, none of those ideas are going to be part of this thought to just ring fence the league. That's you know, the biggest problem. I have a yeah. feeling... I have a feeling that there are a lot of changes coming down the, the pipeline for rugby if they sign off the four-year ring fencing. Now, I know that requires... It's not just four years, is it? Let's just no, call no, no, it no, what no, it no. is. It's no, no. done. Let's, well, it's over. All I'm saying is that there are certain steps that the owners need the owners need to take. And I, 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 you know, I have been told that there are things in the pipeline that they want to get done, but first of all, they need... Because ultimately... What they're worried about is putting their capital at risk, getting relegated, and then getting uh, an enormous financial loss when they when they get, go down. It just means they don't have the stability. They don't have that reliance. Now, what you're saying is right, Tim, because if they had a pro de deux, it wouldn't really matter too, uh, matter too much because the pro de deux is exactly. a better league. But... That's and they'd not, be guaranteed to get good TV money when they went down. Some TV money, yeah, granted. But that's not the world that they live in. And actually, they can look across the other side of the world to the NRL and say, well, why can't we do something like that? That looks pretty cool. Mm. And, and they are right. It is pretty cool. It's really cool. So once they have get their ring fencing sorted, I believe they will come up with all sorts of other weird and wonderful I, things. I hope so. They because they, they the, because ring fencing in its own... On its yeah. own, I'm pretty sure they will, but I don't. I can't tell you what those things are. Yeah, I, I hope so because that that's that is where CVC have to earn their money, because ring fencing could be a disaster if it leads to a far less competitive league and fewer storylines and no intro, like dead rubber games towards the end of the season. Mm. So they have to. Yep, completely agree with that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, yeah. Other games. Tim, you were, you were at a game. Were you? Week. Yeah, yeah, Bristol. Uh, oh, or Newcastle, Bristol. Oh, good, because I, I, I didn't watch that one. So right, tell us about it. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll start by saying um, that I, I, I really quite like Dean Richards. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's he's um he's such a wily character. So so again, I'll, I'll let me give the best possible interpretation of what happened. His his team got handily beaten. Yeah. And I was waiting patiently to uh to you know, ask him some searching questions before the program ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Richards appeared for the interview at the moment we went off air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think Dimitri has been in the game long enough that he might know when we're off air and on air. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. I, but let's just say he came out as soon as he could to have a chat. Well, anyway, I, I, then I, then th- then I will, then this is this this is why he's a wily character. Then um, so my the, the director was in my ear, just going, "All right, we'll pre-record this one for highlights packages and all the rest of it, and for other programs." And uh, yeah, if you uh, over to you, Tim in five. And then the the PA is counting down, and the the um, the guy who's in front of me, uh, the floor manager, is doing the hand count like you see on the ten. Yeah, yeah, five, yeah. four, three, two, one. And as I as I got to number two, Dean Richards went, "How's your show on Virgin Radio going, Tim?" <laughs> 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 Just at the point he knew oh, I was about to start nice, grilling him, nice. and, he, and he threw a little curveball question in. Just just, to, uh, and it was it was very wily. So I, I just, did, he, I, did it throw you. I just I, I giggled and went oh, uh, very well, Dean. I'll tell you what, Dean. I'm going to count myself in there because I'm going to leave that one on the cutting room floor. Three, two, nice. Now, Dean. Well handled. Fair play. No, but I I, I love that he did that. Yeah. He is a, he's a canny, wily, wily. That's awesome. Bloke. Actually, <laughs> well, I've got to say, like, um, yeah, I've not I've not actually gone to a Newcastle press conference yet. Um, but there are so many, so many wily good direct, di- directors mm. of rugby. You don't really know until you actually encounter, uh, encounter them and speak to them and, you know, all, um, all the rest of it. My questioning didn't go quite as smoothly as yours, Tim. I had to, uh, I led off the questions to Alex Sanderson in, on the sale, sale Zoom call. Incomprehensible questions. Just incomprehensible. <laughs> Do you remember what you asked? No, not really. I, okay. I, in my mind... I wanted to ask one thing, and I asked a completely different thing. And I was like, "Yeah, no, we couldn't do that, could we? You know, uh, d- no, sorry, you can't." It, just, it was just re- <laughs> how how do you how do you prepare for what you're going to ask? Well, funny enough, um, I will, I don't. Um, okay. What I do is I I attend, and if something strikes me as interesting, I'll then ask. Ah, uh, okay. Right. But when I was on the sale call, no one was asking anything. So they were, yeah. uh, J- JB, I was like, JB, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So 
it's important to listen because quite often uh, in my and this is just talking about interviewing in general I hear it on the radio or whatever quite often people don't listen and they have their list of questions yeah. and they, they ask the next one regardless yeah. of what the person just said yeah. so it's, <laughs> yeah. so li- it's actually listening and being inquisitive is absolutely right but yeah I, I usually write one word down yeah. it's just, to, just as a little prompt to remind me value right of just having a list of questions just simple any injuries just uh, things you need to actually know so it doesn't sound like you're an absolute yeah. chancer yeah. sadly I was caught out by uh, Sanderson who uh, now does think I'm an absolute chancer uh, is that two weeks in a row you've been caught out by Sanderson yeah I, I've got the worst que- I, I, I sometimes ask some really good questions but at other times my word my word <laughs> that's, how, that's how you get better though isn't it <laughs> I hope so I hope so maybe yeah. he's just got a curse on me now yeah like, I'm trying to think of the rugby equivalent of not of going somewhere and not playing well. well is it whatever bit, it is, is it is like uh, it, you see? I'm reading this as like when you. I'm too desperate to impress when, when you fancy a girl at <laughs> when you fancy a girl at school and you just seize up when you go to ask him out. You're just yeah. you've got a bit of a man crush on. Might be that. And, 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 and usually I'm effortlessly cool, but for whatever reason it is. <laughs> Can't do it. But but as for uh, Newcastle and, uh, are in a bit of a tough spot. Um, but Bristol, my word, play well. Yeah, they, after 20 minutes when they clicked in, yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, because they lost Sheedy fairly mm, early. 15 in, minutes in. Yeah, Johan Lloyd came on mm. and ran the show. And they made nine changes. Like uh, yeah. Kyle Sinclair, Dave Atwood, uh, Nathan Hughes, Charles Piertau, and a bunch of others. Yeah, were, no, were no Lurtua, no... Well, uh, well, well Lurtua and Randra Andre were, were yeah. injured. But so many players fit and just they went, no, yeah. save yourself for Exeter. So that that, oh, that is imp- oh. this win is impressive because of that because yeah. Newcastle they're, they're a difficult team to break down they're physical they're well drilled exactly as you said Dean Richards well is coached. a wild yeah wily character a very good coach and for Bristol to go and it wasn't easy but they comfortably got the the bonus point win yeah you mm. saw in the game I was watching the the warm up and I was stood right um, in front of Bristol's handling drills uh, they were doing and it was so awesome. What you see is every single one of the players, as they they do these they do loads of different drills, but they all designed basically to do the one thing. And the the attacking player is holding the ball, and they watch the defender the whole time, right up until the point they actually give the pass. They they just watch the defender's body. They read they mm. read the body, and you can see them just trying to manipulate what the defenders are doing, and they. And they have one particular drill where the whole drill is three consecutive two-on-ones or three-on-twos or something, and it's about calling, do you, like giving the pass as late as possible or deciding not to give the pass as yeah. late as possible. And it's all basic stuff, but that's exactly what you hey, saw in the game. If, if your team is ever going awry, uh, attacking-wise, uh, it's basically width, pace, step, depth, and pace onto the ball is the most important thing. Yeah, The most important thing. But the, the, the ball carrier... Decision making is unbelievable from Bristol, isn't it? Yeah, and the finishing of those two yeah. ones and the manipulation of space. Uh, Andy Uren does it really, really well. Johan Lloyd does it really well with the kind of holding the ball for the extra second, so you can allow the defense to kind of make a decision. Yeah, you to let that to trust that you've got enough time. To, you've never seen me do, do this drill, have you? <laughs> very similar. It sounds it. It's, you do it's very. You similar. do strike me as a, similar to uh, Johan Lloyd. You're Welsh. <laughs> yes, Welsh. exactly. Both male. Uh, can play multiple he's different a, positions. He's an outrageous talent, Johan Lloyd. Yeah, 
He's going to be the one that breaks the 60 cap rule, I'm, I'm sure. That's the one that <laughs> makes Wales short. So, yeah, so he's, he's not leaving Bristol. No, why would he? Why yeah, would he? Exactly. Um, okay. Ma- Max Malins is just class. Yeah, Max Malins. Like, who do you awesome. pick? Who do you pick in? In well, that the, Bristol team next week for Exeter, who do you pick? Well, that's Sir a, Charles. That is a storyline, isn't it? A rested Bristol team who are awesome at what they do against an Exeter team who are really starting to hit their straps. But like Charles Piertau, you pick him, don't you? But do you shift him onto the wing so you have Max Malins at fullback? I, I probably wouldn't. I'd have Max Malins coming off the bench because he's he can play in multiple different positions. Yeah. Um. But who knows? I'd. <laughs> I would I would always start Sir Charles at, at 15. You have to start Charles Pietar because oh, well, Of course you start him, yeah. He's not on loan for start. But I, yeah, and but you could start you could guy. start you could cuz so your options are you've got uh Pietau 15, Purdy 11 and Morahan. Morahan 14 or you could go Purdy on the bench and Malins in 15 and Pietau on the wing. Yeah. Pietau on the wing. So Pietau Morahan Malins. I don't know if oh. you just lose too much Pietau maybe. I don't know, but influence you, on the game. But you, he to play the doing, that, doing that allows him to do other things. Like it gives him a, a degree of more freedom yeah. because he, he's not got as so much always, defensive responsibility. That's an interesting thing you say there because I always think of fifteen has been the senior back three position. As in, that's if you're a back three player, you probably want to play fifteen because it's a bit cooler and there's a bit more <laughs> kudos to it and whatnot. Yeah, but there's a lot of lads who do not like playing fifteen because they like being on the wing for that exact reason. You can have some more freedom. Yeah. Yeah, they just say, well, I'd much rather be on the wing and then I can do more attacking stuff, which you don't necessarily think of when you think of playing fullback. But then, you know, look at, for instance, Simon Hammersley at Sale. He allows Baron McGuigan to go on his little scamps. Yes. That's and what they do. Jack Knoll, back fit again for Exeter. He loves to go and play off 10 a little bit and yeah, just go go off rucks, go off nine at ruck time. And, and But you can't do that when you're fullback. No. Yeah, I, it's, it's much more difficult. Does Peter straight was that kind of guy? Peter Howe can do anything. Yeah. So Charles can well, do that's what he, he steps wants. in at ten and gives uh, Tiff Tiff t- t- Eden a bit of a rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> steps in at ten, first receiver fifty yards under yeah. the post. Hold my beer, Tiff. <laughs> first phase off a scrum, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. What a game that is going to be! Oh, I cannot wait. When, it, yes. when is it actually? It's Friday night. Is it is Friday? That, is that Friday? Yeah, Friday night. Can, at Ashton Gate. Yeah. Oh, uh, don't know where it is, but it's Friday night. Um, so no, it has to be because uh, Exeter don't play on Friday nights. Do they not? Nope. Oh, they are. What well, even if BT Sport tell them to? I think it's to do with the. I think it might be to do with the. The M. I might be something to do with the M5. Oh, maybe. Oh, Com- maybe. Community maybe. traffic. Oh, yeah. Thing. Okay. I don't know. That might not be true. Actually, I don't know why. Uh, well, so if anyone knows why Exeter don't so play on Friday night, but they Friday don't. It is out. Ashton Gate Friday night. Sale plays Friday nights. Out Dis- of choice. Yeah, it, despite the um, Friday night traffic. Mm. Yeah, but if BT Sport ask you, I think you have to do it. I think there's like an obligation to have a certain amount. Anyway, I know no extra. Do not play Friday nights oh, or Saturday nights for that matter. No, do they? No, they don't play Saturday nights either. Hmm. No, not not the Premiership clubs ever do. It's but no extra. I know they don't play Friday nights. Friday there's night a is, reason for it. Yeah, it's when Steve Parrott is washing his hair. Yes, ah, yes, that friend, is friend, right. Friend that, of the pod. That is um, right. Um, so yeah, the reason I think it's interesting is because yes, extra did lose in the European quarter. But they lost pretty gallantly. And then they spanked Wasps this weekend. Yeah, did you watch this? Uh, No, I saw the highlights. Down at half-time? Yeah. Yeah. And then they just... But that second half, oh, yeah, they were awesome. I think they're they're ready to go. I've made a few noises like those two (laughs) two guys out the fast show. (laughs) Oh, 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 suits you, sir. (laughs) Oh. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, and Exeter are going to want to put a big result on a big team. Yeah. That's, that, that's what they play for. That's what they're built for. They've got to, they've got to lay a marker down yeah. on this one. I think they, we I, are, I think we are still top dogs. I, I think Bristol are very, very good at scoring lots of points against... Um, Almost everybody, but they can come and start with a bit, a bit of physicality, and I think mm. Exeter will do exactly that. In this game, Wasps was played well in the first half um, and were des- deserving. Um, Exeter didn't things didn't quite click, and then in that second half, Wasps tired a bit. Exeter um, their fitness came through, and they just dismantled Wasps. That, that, that Stuart Hogg try where he I still can't work out because the camera when you watch the try doesn't show him the whole time I don't know how he managed to get from kicking the ball so, so to then gathering his own kick so it was at the end of about a 15 phase sequence and um, there were at least two or three separate injured players down on the floor he's wondering the iPads around the battery which has stopped the uh, sound going to the Mevo which stopped it going to the live stream Ah. Uh, but as far as I'm, I'm concerned, they've seen enough. If you, if you want more, down, download the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was the end of a very long phase of play. Everyone was dead on their feet, and so that was it. Was only um, Gabriel Ogre and Stuart Hogg who bothered to chase it because everyone else was t- totally knackered and they assumed it was going out. Yeah. It was like, do you remember there it was did. there was England Australia about three years ago? where something similar happened and I think Elliot Daly kicked down the touchline and non everyone was too knackered, no one bothered to chase and kind of Curtly Beale was half-heartedly wandering across because the ball looked like it was going to roll out and Uh-oh. it didn't, it just stopped about two inches from the touchline and Elliot Daly kicks it infield and goes on to score. Yes. It was like that scenario. Yeah, but it's just all I remember seeing before the shot cut was Stuart Hogg kicking it, and then, like most kickers do, they don't. That you can't kick and then sprint all in one step. No, so he kicked through the ball. He kicked through, through it. Yeah, kicked through, through the through ball. It. Yeah, and other people were gassed, and he just uh, yeah. gone. Grease lightning. It was awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was. It was a very impressive oh, performance can't at wait the end of that game. Well, and, and, wait for oh, Friday night. Did you hear the stat in the game? Thomas Francis scored his first ever Premiership try. Oh right? wow! Yeah, Donny Tommy. Which yeah, no more no more Thomas Francis is going to be coming anymore when the championship is uh, amateur. Nope. No, there might be. There might be more. We don't know. Um, That's awesome. Uh, uh, one more stat as well that I saw um, because Ali Eakin posted a, a little screenshot of the stats page from his little console after the Bath Leicester game. Um, and I've mentioned this quite a few times. Ball in play time. Well, have a guess. For which Bath, Bath v Leicester was quite an open game, wasn't it today? Yeah, not a lot of attacking play. Yeah, I'll go for that. 20, yeah. 20, 31 minutes. 31. Yes, Just to highlight that, out of an 80 minute game, and you. Yeah. So NFL uh, has four 12 minute quarters, uh, so you guarantee to get 48 minutes of. No, no you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Because the, the clock runs off. The clock runs. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, regardless, 80 minutes, you actually had 31 minutes of rugby being played. Mm. It's more than enough. More than enough. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd like a bit more. So a few, few, fewer um, scrum resets. Mm. A few more minutes for ball in play. Agreed. Mm. No, disagree. <laughs> um, um, we missed a few games here. Did the, you see Sale Sharks play? I did. I saw the red card. My word. Tip uh, tackle. A 10 tip tackle in a prop. I'd have given a red card for his uh, hair moustache <laughs> I mean, 
from Rob Dupree. Uh, it's hard to describe what I was watching in this game. Uh, it was one of the worst displays of attacking rugby I have ever seen in my life. The worst team with ball in hand. Yeah, the worst uh, team with ball in hand. It was horrendous. <laughs> and I just can't... I mean, I don't know what... I, there seems to be, like... I don't know whether they're just going... <clears throat> Like, so Leicester Tigers are obviously doing something, aren't, <coughs> aren't they? They've set piece, defence, and breakdown. They're going to get top four. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. Uh, Sale are definitely working on something. Yeah. They're definitely wor- I mean, their defence is pretty pretty stingy now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their set piece is okay. Um, they, they can bludgeon their way to they wins. Can, yeah, and, you know, there's no denying their. Um, their drive and their grit and their determination. They've beaten Wasps with 13 men, and they've beaten a, 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 a Gloucester team with 14 men effectively for the entire so you know there are some good things there but some of the attacking play is mind blowing um, I've, 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 I have seen players duck out the way over the past before but I've not seen it multiple times in, uh, uh, in a game and as for the, like I wonder if I wonder if when you look at like one of their big ball characters they say Rob Dupree or Jean Luc Rob Dupree Dan Dupree Dan Dupree uh, yeah or John Luke Dupree. Yeah. Whether you or see cool. him roll, like at one point he literally ran over two men. He literally ran over them and carried on, just carried on going, like those giants in uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> but then he throws the ball on the floor. And I'm thinking, like, what do you do here? Do you say, right, this is what he likes doing. He likes running over people and then throwing the ball carelessly wherever he wants. <laughs> Let's try and polish that up and make it into something useful. Or do you say, right, stop that altogether, roll, present the ball? You are not allowed to pass, like the old Graham Door thing. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know whether that makes it because, like, imagine trying to play ten for that lot. I mean, they're going in all sorts of different directions. There's, they must be so incredibly difficult to um, just, you know, bad coaching them, right? Bad coach, bad bad attack coach. Get rid of Paul Deacon, right, JB? I, so, That's what you'd be saying if it was Bath playing I, like that. I, so, <laughs> I've got to say, like, there is there are some questions that need. I, to be I don't there. think that, by the way, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just being facetious. I did like so Aaron Reed's that try. Yeah, that, that was, was good finishing. He, that was, it was class, brilliant actually. finishing, but it got hauled back because there was like two potential knock-ons and a potential forward pass that mm. none of it quite made it. But it, just to get the try was amazing. Like the the pass out and then the ball back inside and then the finish was superb. But there was three separate points where the the sale back line effectively although I think there was a back row plane in the in the centre their skill set just wasn't good enough and no. it, the ball just ends up on the floor so I'm going to say okay so here's the questions that I need I wanted an- answering from Alex Anderson which I couldn't quite articulate here's what I think is going on at sale okay. right? so I think and I know that Sanderson agrees with me here because he said so that Sale are the most physically dominant team in in, in the league Right now, weirdly, just because you are the most physically dominant team in the league, I don't think that means you are the most physically dominant team in the league. Because just because you've got the physical ability to do it, if you're running over, say, Worcester or Gloucester or Wasps, and you're making ten yards, well, then all of a sudden, when someone stops you making those ten yards, and instead of you know making one or two yards, well, you don't know what to do because you're not used to seeing that. So, weirdly, I think the most physically dominant team in, in the league are probably the ones that are used to being in close arm wrestles. And overcoming it. Does that make sense? It, it, it does make sense. Yeah. Because it's, it's how you prepare for the change or how you mentally go for the change. As in, if you're playing Worcester and you're battering everyone and you find it nice and easy, but then 
Bath or Exeter or Bristol, or, or indeed in this game, um, 14 men against Gloucester, and they're stopping you from being physically dominant on the game line, how do you react? Yeah, what do, we, what do I do now? Equally, I think you can say, yes, they can bludgeon 10 metres, but actually I'd say Bristol and Harlequins are examples of teams that when they make one metre what they do with it, they have the skills to offload. Like, you know, Quins aren't as physically dominant as Sale, but when they make any hint of a break, they have two men running straight alongside, yeah. offload, bosh, they're through, try. Yeah, they're yeah. much more precise. Same with Bristol. Yeah, much more precise. Yeah. I completely, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. Whereas you look at Sale and they make these big old carries, and it, well, here's a ball, just threw it over my shoulder. Um, <laughs> I've done my job. Yeah, I've done Someone my else job. can do yeah, theirs now. Um, <laughs> And I wonder if the the, the disconnect that they have is they are so so Sanderson referenced that he thought that their loss against Larishel in particular they just weren't emotionally right, which I find curious. I don't know how you measure that. I don't know how you know. I don't know how you improve on something which you can't measure. Uh, but that's why I'm not a head coach, and he is. Um, the, the World War Two bombshell did not do its job. Oh, I just don't know how you measure that, right? <laughs> so, um, but there again, he might be right because if he thinks simultaneously has the most physical team and they're not emotionally right, those two things would make sense if they can't deal with, say, La Rochelle, even though they, the statistics suggest they were just as dominant as, uh, as La Rochelle in the first half. Well, maybe he is right about the about the emotion. Anyway, uh, this display against. Uh, Gloucester made me think that maybe they just need a little bit more work on their attacking play and what the hell they do when they bust these massive holes into teams. Well, do you know who we're not talking about quite as much? And let's let's remember, as you said, quite rightly said, they're in third place and looking set for the playoffs. So you yeah, know, that's, they will be in the playoffs. They will be in the playoffs. So I think I, you know, that, I that's great. They but can win the thing. But the person we're not talking about nearly as much as we have done in the past and should do for Sale to be where they need to be to win, Fafta Clerk. Um, why? <laughs> so well, we're just not talking about him as much. So he, he's oh, not, so he, you mean he's not as important? Well, no, well, he, he, either not as important or isn't as influential. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I do, definitely agree with that. I don't think he had a particularly good game from uh, what I saw. I don't think he's week. been hitting his heights for you, when he was absolutely un, unplayable for sale. Like he was doing everything. He's like he was kicking the ball, turning yeah. over defense, making big hits. Yeah, big, smashing Nathan Hughes back. And, and I'm not sure you can maintain that level of play for a long time. I, I, I think you know he's such a special talent. When he does hit those heights, they're incredible. But to get up for every single game must be bloody difficult. There's something about this, his style of play as well. That's I don't know how to badge it. It's almost like the the predictably unpredictable. Yeah, as in you don't know what he's going to do. You just know he's going to do something amazing. Or certainly when he was at his best, yeah, well, and the yeah. te- his the opposition didn't know what on earth he was going to do. But the te- his team around him kind of did know, mm. at least to, to enough of a degree that what he was going to do, and that meant him he was kind of unplayable for the opposition. Yeah, but it was creating um, totally loads and of I chances. Wonder, now we've got so much tape of him playing. The yeah, where the defense coaches are going. Well, yeah, we'll just make this little perimeter and let Faf run around here, and then you know if he doesn't do anything, well, you know, do X Y Z. Yeah, or may, whatever yeah. the thing is that they may, do. maybe that is it. But I, I, you know, he does do it from time to time, and he's still a super player, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but I, I I can't remember that. I can't remember seeing so few like forty metre snipes. Yeah. But isn't that the sort of point I'm in a global way of making? Like Stuart Hooper would globally make. important. Yeah, globally important uh, point I'd like to make, which is when your wildness and you know your flair is not getting you where you want to be. 
relying on the basics is exactly what you need. And so if Faf isn't as electric as he is previously, he needs to be damn sure that you know his that his passing's crisp, that he's there to break down on time, that he's making the right box kicks. He needs he what? needs to have a bit of Richard Wigglesworth in him. I was going to say, I was going to say, and what club yeah. do, does it sound like you've just described? Saracens. Mm. Mm. So maybe dialing it back a tiny bit, and that, but the same with like the Duprees. So like if you're not getting over the game line by ten yards every single every single time. Well, you know, make sure you damn well know when to go down, when to place mm. the ball, you know, where your support runners are. But Dan Basics. De- da- but Dan Dupree doesn't sit... Again, Dan Dupree, for example, I remember him go back two years, just make it... John Luke, that would, that would have been. Uh, or a year, a year then, mm. last season. Just ridiculous numbers of incredible offloads, and he's not doing that same element he's still making oh, oh, the yards they are ridiculous offloads he's still doing, <laughs> he's still doing a lot of ridiculous offloads well, to him. maybe that's all it is there's a lot of players just a couple of percent off where they were and but they're in third place so that if they could just tighten those nuts and bolts they're contenders yeah and they've got yeah, I think... that with that pack when it gets to knock out rugby and the pressure comes on they can challenge anyone oh i so i'm i'm not there yeah i, I wonder if that pack is perfect for Annihilating Worcester and Gloucester, flat track bullies. Uh, maybe that, that said, the beat Bristol and the beat Exeter. Yeah. yeah so, right. exactly. but but the one which sticks in my mind more than anything else is Quinns because Quinns showed you didn't need to beat them up. You just need to be comparative, and if you're comparative, you and you've got something else in your locker. Mm. Yeah, which Quinns do and and the, Bristol do on Exeter. Do yeah, that on is the day. danger. So, uh, my criticism of Sale Sharks is if they're not dominant, what do they do? And I don't think you can guarantee you're going to be dominant against Exeter, Bristol, or anyone else, actually, who's going to be in the top four. Mm. I think it's completely possible that they are. It's almost likely that they are, but it's not guaranteed. Mm. Uh, Northampton handed uh, London Irish. Irish's backside to him, didn't they? <sighs> didn't they just? Yeah. Chris Boyd is another guy that I... Uh, yeah. Sp- he is unreal. An impressive man. My I boy. Like him. He is so impressive. So thoughtful, like just honestly. Yeah. Thoughtful, thoughtful is a great word, and you know that from the number of times you ask him a question or see a question asked of him, and he'll just take a couple of seconds and go, "Yeah, I think." And just the fact he takes that little bit of time, even on live telly, when he's just sort of like, "I oh, know, I'm just going to take this at my pace. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give that question some real thought, and I'm going to give you a full answer, yeah. totally honest, no cliches." I can't remember what the first question was that he was asked, but he was asked something, and he stopped. He clarified the question. I thought, "Oh, yeah, he's really thinking about this. He's not mm. just he's not just here to say, yeah, and we'll take every game game as game as it goes <laughs> or whatever it is." He actually he thought about the question and then yeah. delivered a just brilliant response. Yeah, him. Him and Baxter, I think, are uh, two guys who are particularly good at that sort of thing. Like, listening, giving you a good answer. And the other thing as well is he had some weird stats about uh, the NRL win rate. I can't remember what can't remember what the question was. Yeah, it was, you know, because they... Effectively, in, well, this is how I, look, how I look at it. Northampton need a lot of territory, a lot of possession to win a game. Because if they don't have that uh, possession they can get beaten up and they can get ran over and this is a problem that they face against Ulster. When Ulster turned up the turned up the pressure. Yeah. They they and were making yards yeah. yards in contact and were then getting quick ball. Northampton couldn't deal with that. So the first half of that game, Northampton won or was were neutral in eighty percent of the con- contacts. 
in the second half, that fell to 40% of, 40% of, of, of contacts. Yeah, and that, that's exactly yeah. what I saw with the yeah. one Worcester, start, Worcester once Ulster started getting over the line and making holes, the holes got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it sort of just expanded. So the questions were like, well, okay, so what do you do um, to, to, to stop that? Are you going to bring in some bigger men? So we talked about moving ribbons to tight headlock and... Uh, <laughs> Repeat that guy. Rattuni Yarwara. Yeah, and then you know how does that look? But then I said, well, ultimately, if I do that, then I'm not going to have the mobility that I need for other things around the park. So that's why we have. Yeah, you know, it's uh, a trade-off, isn't yeah. it? It's really interesting. Stuff. He also thinks that the Lions should um, have big men at six, five, and four, which sounds like court, uh, it sounds like a sales pitch for Courtney Laws to play six. Yeah, Jam- all in favour for all, yeah. all down down on that. Hundred percent. Or um, Reese Ruddock, or Dave Viewers. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I asked him if, uh, you know, is there a percentage that he has in his mind as to, like, how um, how much possession he needs in order to win a game? And the answer was, uh, I spoke to Wayne Smith about it, and there's some NRL stats, but we can't find that single stat. So yeah. it's obviously like a continual balancing act, like uh, the ever the everlasting game of playing with your chemistry sets as to yeah. you know, how do you do this. And I remember some stats a while ago. I can't remember where this was from. I think I read it in The Economist, actually, deep down in rugby, but it was saying um, so possession and metres made don't correlate with win rates. That's right, yeah. And there's one... The, the, just look at New Zealand winning two World Cups, kicking more than anyone else. Yeah, there's yeah. two statistics, like turnovers or something. Yeah, turnovers I, think, I think penalties might have been one of them. And, and tur- it, it's the turnovers, because if you get the turnover, that is when the defensive... Um, field is most disrupted yeah. so if you can maximise your attacking opportunity from a turnover that's when you're most effective I tell you what has struck me quite and that, that's, sorry just on that gone, exact point when Wasps were playing their best stuff at the end of last season what got them to a premiership final and got them to almost be Exeter in a premiership final they were really at their best at that they had, um, Thomas Young launch crew was doing it and Jack Willis was the best in the game, yeah. best best in England the, at doing the, it. The turnovers and also what Wasps had, which also Northampton had against London Irish, and which we were just sort of touching on that Sale maybe aren't quite where they need to be on, is that, and what New Zealand had when they won their two World Cups, just deadly skills when they had those moments. Yeah, yeah to maximise the opportunity when it does arise. And that, that Wasps did it brilliantly last year yeah they did yeah and the thing so I think what struck me this week is how many directors of rugby or coaches who put up for interview have got the stats at their fingertips so if you say something they can use the stats in order to say well the stats don't suggest that mm-hmm. so they're utterly reliant on it um, which has got its pros and its cons but like the Wasps thing with the, with the turnovers yes they got the turnovers and the turnovers are important in their own right but actually I think the reason the turnovers are so important is because it bred confidence throughout that entire team and then you saw them winning scrums and getting like extra mm. style pick and go tries and then all of a sudden they're doing everything 5 or 6% better which I guess comes down to the Samson thing about emotion then I, al- I, also, uh, I don't like I also, spo- I also yeah. spoke to one um, media guy recently I won't say which club but I just said um when I was waiting for him to... Who's your favourite podcast? Bring the DOR over. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, can I just ask, what, what, what do you do to prepare for these interviews with the coach? What, you know, do, you, do you do anything? Do you chat about like talking points and stuff like that? He says, do you want to see? I said, yeah. And he opened up his file and he said, 
so here's the average age of our team today, and that's quite a bit lower than normal. And uh, here's the number of uh, uh, and th- th- there's more there's more appearances on the bench uh, with these three players than there is for the whole team. Well, I didn't say that specifically, but. Um, might give it away who it was. Um, but he just gave, he showed me all these statistics. And then, yeah, sure enough, a few of those came up through the chat. Interesting. Which, so it's clearly mm. that there's sort of a, there's actually an art and a, the art and science of public relations and, well, they and interviews and stuff. They definitely, mm. they definitely rely on the statistics to tell the story that may, I don't know if they are using them to tell the story they want to tell or they are genuine attempts to understand what happened in, in, in in the game, so uh, I'll give you examples. Uh, Sanderson said that he felt that it was an emotional loss, not a physical loss, because the stats say that they didn't get 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 uh, beaten up physically. I don't seem to remember that. I seem to remember them losing a lot more in the game line than they, than they otherwise did. But the stats tell that tell that story. When your and team's I, full of South Africans who are very, very physically minded, you need to have a story to tell your players mm. that that doesn't attack the core of their being. When, <laughs> when you're a guy like Dan Dupree, <laughs> no, you point. did, you did not get beaten physically. We lost yeah. that emotionally. Look, look at the stats. Look at <laughs> that. You're, a you're bloody st- good point. That is, Tim. <laughs> That's a flipping good point. I wish I'd see. I wish I'd have thought of that because then the, 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 there's a question. <laughs> Damn it! Next then, week, then he might respect me more. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, Northampton, fair play. And uh, just on on them, uh, Peter Shaw uh, said Alex Mitchell does not look like a top top notch professional rugby player. Yeah, but he however, like one. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point because he he's been in the England camp a few times now. Yeah, just. When he's playing like that, he's amazing. Just on Northampton, they're the only realistic challenger, I think, now for a top four. Um, I don't think they have it in them. So they will disagree with that. They're four points off Quinns, aren't they? Quinns and Sale. Mm. Um, it depends on the fixtures, doesn't yeah, it? I guess they've got, the six, fixtures. they've got six games left. Well, shall we jump into this week's fixtures? We're not going to dissect... Just to be fair to Northampton, after such a good game, um, uh, Peter Shaw also says... Uh, Furbank with that haircut and moustache looks like an, a WW1 pi- uh, World War One pilot, our RAF pilot who just got out of his sop with Camel. Piers Francis is the only centre I can remember who seems to be the main back competing for the high ball. And, and yeah, we we're just talking about high ball catches. Mm. Piers Francis is very good at that. Mm. Uh, there are no players I would like to try and tackle less than Lewis Ludlam and Tamana Harrison. Yeah, very abrasive. They uh, are real physical. An- another guys, thing that um, Boyd references, he doesn't think there's a better fighter pound for pound than. Tamana well, Harrison. Well, that, yeah. that's and he's wrong. Lewis Ludlam. <laughs> well, <laughs> those two. But that—that's kind of the. This is an interesting point because they are so aggressive and so abrasive, and this is exactly to your point on Hamish Watson the other week, JB. Mm. Neither of those are particularly big, which you can you can get away with, but you've got to have the the weight in the pack elsewhere. God, particularly awesome, if yeah. if Northampton come up against Sale against Sale, for example, they're going to be giving away. Mm. Quite a bit of weight in that pack. Well, if anyone wants to know, wants to know anything more about uh, Chris Boyd, may I recommend them to go visit the Rugby Dungeon, where I interviewed Dan Bigger, who talks about his relationship with Chris Boyd in quite some detail. Can I, Amazing. Can I just say, this weekend's fixtures, as we'll get on to, and speaking of Northampton, oh my word, these this weekend's fixtures is awesome, because it's <laughs> Leicester v Northampton on Saturday as well. Yeah. Oh, oh. That will be interesting. And Northampton then, after Leicester have Gloucester at home, Newcastle away, Wasps at home. They have got a shot. That's, at yeah, top four. that's 
that's four winnable games. I don't think they beat Leicester. Certainly, certainly three. I, I think Leicester will probably do Northampton. However, they can win the, the remaining three. Uh, Quinns, meanwhile, have got, and maybe this is a counterfactual to that point, they've got Irish away, Wasps at home, Leicester away, Bath at home, Sale away. Sale away. And then, if they need something on the final day, uh, Quinns are home to Newcastle. Whereas... Uh, whereas Northampton are away to uh, are playing Exeter. Ooh, Oof. so Ooh. oh, it's good. It, it, it could get tight though. They don't play each other, unfortunately. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah, the reason I thought Leicester Tigers had such a good chance is because if they beat Bath, they tend to play everyone around them. Yes, they do. They they had. They're not going to do that now. No. Damn it! it One it point be, to Bath. As Bath. Th- thanks to that Ben Spencer kick from the touchline. Yeah, and that was an interesting call of because that was Ben Spencer's call to go miss to loop it over to Will Muir, who finished brilliantly. Yeah. But when he had all those forwards and he thought we need the conversion, I was thinking, I remember thinking at the start, what are you doing? Yeah, keep it tight. Keep it tight. Because they've shown they can score the, from the tight tries. They, they'd done it five minutes ago through Miles Reed. But fair play, Ben Spencer, he backed himself and nailed it. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's do the fixtures, Phil. What have we got? So Friday, the big one. Bristol versus Exeter Chiefs. Oh, I'm so excited. It's, it's so... I'm so excited. That would be such a good game if there were fans attending. Oh, can be you imagine? such a great game to go to. Yeah, two good sets of fans too. Yeah, and, and local local derby. They probably would fill out Ashton Gate for that. But it probably wouldn't be that far off, you know. <laughs> if, um, if we could have done I'd love to have gone down. Yeah, Night out oh, in Bristol. Yeah. Yes! And also, yeah. like... Uh, but we wouldn't tell anyone we're going, would we? What I initially mm, thought no. was... No one who no, lives in Bristol, we definitely wouldn't tell them. <laughs> Phone's on silent. Bristol <laughs> don't need this to get a home semi-final. Exeter do. Uh, Exeter are only four points yeah. out of sale. Oh my God, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, God, Bristol are 12 points clear at the top of the league. Yeah. I still think Exeter do them. <sighs> Exeter can bring a level of big game experience and physicality that I don't think Bears can match. Oh, I'll take my shoes off because not because not, not, not <laughs> unsheath um, the shoes. Yeah, my, my broadcasting shoes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they can um, match them. Simple mm. as that. Exeter were outstanding in that second half, just as they were very very good in the second half of the round of sixteen. Um. I, I, d- I don't think they've put 80 minutes together and I think I see Bristol nudging this one. Yeah, and there's something... I think the emotional toll and indeed the physical toll of the two seasons being merged together and Exeter having that that absolutely brutal end of season last year when they were, they were amazing. But it, it will have taken such a physical toll on them that I think I think they are going to struggle a little bit towards the back end of this season so give me Bristol Mm. and then yeah well and then so just to I suppose I'm going to jump ahead to the Sale game because they're away to Worcester so Sale are getting five points there yes which means based on that even if Exeter got a bonus point Sale potentially could could find themselves in second place by the end of next weekend yeah Sale will get five points away Mm. at Worcester Um, yeah just on the Bristol Exeter Chiefs thing I will just say, because Sheedy went off early, injured. I think if Sheedy plays and is fully fit, Bristol win. I think if Johan Lloyd 
plays, albeit despite him being an unbelievable talent, I don't think this will be the right game for him, the Exeter game. I think the the pressure of that Exeter, that suffocating Exeter defence and the physicality won't be right for I him. I actually agree with that. So if Sheedy plays, give me Bristol. If Ewan Lloyd plays, give me Exeter. It's going to be big. And then there's tough calls all across that pack. Like, you know, who do you pick in the back row? You've got Dan Thomas, Nathan Hughes, Will Lewis who will be fit. Or yeah, will, will L slot in at six, and then Fitz Harding. Fitz Harding is yeah, he's, awesome. He's looking great. An- another player who was overlooked when he was a bit younger. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's going to be good. Yes. Early kickoff on Saturday is uh, now once again a proper rivalry. Yes. Geographically speaking. Yeah, London Irish Quins. Yeah. Still going to be Quins. I, 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 I have developed like Tim a soft spot for London Irish. I like them. Yeah, I do as well. I like them, how they play. I like their back three. I think Paddy Jackson's great. Team of the year 2013. Yeah, all that stuff is good. Yeah. Tom Porton should be looked at by England. Yardy, and Ben Loader. And, and Ollie Hassel Collins. Yep, yep. All of that is great. However, they do have a soft underbelly. And I think Quinns will give them a good spanking. To our listener who's keeping tabs on our predictions and wants us to be absolutely crystal clear so they can keep tabs on how we're getting on, I will tell you, Oh, this is the game of the season London Irish want to win. Why this one? Because they're uh, back in Brentford. At home. And they, they all live in the Twickenham area, mm-hmm. all the players, and all the fans are from that area, and they... And Quinns have had that all to themselves for the last 20 years or whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> London Irish... Driving their Maseratis yeah. around. What? London Irish are back, and I'm telling you, there will be massive edge really? in at Hazelwood this week. I, I'm sure Harlequins will know that's coming, and that, that'll be used massive, to, to G yeah. them out. But London, this will be treated like cup final stuff for London Irish. They've also got a chance of... They're, they're, go, they're gunning for top six. Give me an Irish win. <laughs> Does this not have the feel at the moment of London Irish being totally up for their local derby in the same way that Saracens have historically got totally up for their Saracens local derby? Yeah. And it doesn't even register on Saracens and they just put 40 it points on It feels like that to me. Uh, can I tell you something else as well which should make you worried a little bit? Which is Jerry Flannery was explaining how the rest of the season pans out for them because, because they're, they're, they're out of Europe. So they've got two-game block, break, two-game block, break, two-game block, break. So they've they've been lucky enough to get this far with the same team. I think they're going to complete the whole bloody season with this incredible cohesive, cohesive unit. And for that reason, I think Irish are going to get a spanking because they're not going to get, go easy. They're going to put out a full hit a full hit out of lads. Come on, you Irish! Uh, g- give me Quinns. I Quins. think Quinns are going to win this. Then we've got. Um, it, it, under normal circumstances, it would be an interesting game. Um, Gloucester Newcastle. Okay. Um, uh, Gloucester. Both, both need a win. I mean, they don't because of there's no yeah. relegation. But both do both need a win. Give a single solitary shit about a win. <laughs> uh, they need a win, but uh, they don't really care. Yeah, they don't care, do they? Um, I, I'm going to pick. Uh, I think I'm going to pick. If Carl Ferns finally plays, I think he's available for selection that this, this week, as I understand it. Watch your FRD waiver wire. Yeah, I'll pick Newcastle. If he doesn't play and Mark Atkinson plays, I'll pick Gloucester. Mm. And I have no other views on this game outside of that. Okay. 
So two friends of the pod going head to head. Yeah, yeah. And Jamal for Gloucester. He's, oh, he's Jamal, swings, yeah. How he, swings, long he, he swings it in Gloucester's favour for me. Yeah, if Jamal if, and Ed Slater's a friend of the pod. Yeah. If, if Jamal three. plays, definitely, definitely, um, back in Gloucester. Okay, give me Gloucester. Oh, sh- have you heard the rumour about sales signing Yanni Yanni Duplessis? Yanni Duplessis. Yanni Duplessis is about thirty-eight, isn't he? Is yeah. I'm sure the title. They're signing Yanni De Beer as well. Osderan, <laughs> <laughs> Osderan's on his way. Yeah. So Sale are needing a tight head prop. Sam Orange has replied to this on Twitter, saying, "Saying ropey paper don't know what don't know what they're talking about." Ooh, is it in the ropey paper? Oh, it must be true then. If Sale are denying it, it's true. Well, this so is traditionally. Yanni Dupassi is 38. Um, is he still playing? He was at Montpellier. Lions. Say, uh, Steve Diamond denied... Oh, the Golden Lions? Stephen Diamond denied Marlon Yard, Faf de Klerk. <laughs> me over bloody Marlon Yard. Um, <laughs> um, what did we... Anyway. Yeah, so... I They are in the market for a tired prop. If I was going to guess, I would say, of all the people available who they could pick up, I would say they're going to go for... Um, Nick Shonut from Worcester yeah. putting two and two together Worcester, is... Worcester has said they're, they're not going to let him go mm. I would say he's going to sail if I was just a guess looking yeah. at what he's available yeah. um, you know I know pot- that's been uh, potential sign- that has been touted a little bit potential signings Shonut would be the one which I would be targeting mm. yeah Yanni Dupassi is listed by FIS 39 in November well I think they need cover. Jake Cooper Woolley's not back fully fit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't need it to beat Worcester this weekend. How do you no. know? <laughs> They're going to absolutely batter them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pick all your sale players for fantasy rugby draft. Uh, AJ McGinty's. I only have Ooh, this, could be, this could be JB's second win. Third. Yeah, third. Third win. Why? Why would I pick players from the third place team almost exclusively? <laughs> have I not won a single game? What does this tell you? <laughs> Uh, but then the big game on Saturday. Oh my yeah. word! Can't wait. I mean, no, no. Like London Irish Harlequins is a big game. Yeah, genuinely a big game. The Friday night game is big, and then the other live game on Saturday, Leicester Northampton. Wow, I can't wait for this. I think this will be a really, really good game. Spicy. Imagine the crowd. Yeah, uh, such a shame. Uh. Trying to think about the some of the great moments from this fixture in the past. There was the. Um, the Ashton Tulangi punch. Mm. Yeah. That's, There's that's the... the... Uh, Tom, who got red carded for punching Tommy? Someone, uh, Marafu got red carded. Oh, yeah. For punching. Um, and then wasn't this in the final where Dylan Hartley called Wayne Barnes yes. an effing cheat? I think, I think that's right. <laughs> and then there's just, just all manner of 30-man brawls. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. But uh, no fans, unfortunately. I'm going to go... Leicester at home. Uh, give me Northampton, I think. I think this will be really interesting. I think it's going to be Leicester. I think Northampton is too susceptible to the things that Leicester do. Basics win rugby games, even though they didn't today. I like Leicester Tigers basics. And, you know, keep keep your skills, frankly. You might have converted me. Give me Leicester. All right, we're all going yeah. Leicester. Uh, Wasps v Bath on Sunday. Um, I mean, Wasp season done, isn't is it? Done. They're done. Dusted. I think there is a, a 
Well, look, Bath have got good players. They should win this. Yeah. They win every for, game. For that reason, let's well, just, just, pick, just pick one of the teams. Who's Do you know win. what's disappointing for, for Wasps this week? They had a full hit out. Both big second rows are out. They they went for it and they got absolutely pumped. And I, sus- I suspect that that will do it for them this season. So, Bath. You're going for Bath. I'm going to go for Bath. I want to go for Bath, but this would be such a Bath thing to throw this game away. But give me Bath. Okay. Well, well actually, I'm glad we skimmed over that one because the big game on Sunday, Saracens v Ealing Trailfinders. Is it? Oh. Is it? <laughs> Ooh. That is tasty. And also, the big game this week is the... Um, Saders v Blues. No, uh, no the um, culmination of the Women's Six Nations. France versus oh, England. France, England, yeah. Yeah. Get, get spicy this weekend. Good yeah, which, which will be one of the few games... I mean, I'm just looking through the, the scores here of the Women's Six Nations. England put 50 points on Scotland. Yeah, they just England need... put 60 points on Italy. Yeah. Italy put 40 points on Scotland. What? France put 50 points on Wales... Ireland put 45 points on Wales. They, they need to France a, put 50 yeah. points on Ireland. Like, there's not actually been a competitive game. No, they need to yet. do an annual three-test three series, England-France. Yeah, until this, someone this else will gets be good a, enough. This will be a very good game, England v France. The French skill set this weekend in uh, handily putting away Ireland was very, very impressive. Well, as the uh, Israeli Prime Minister said about the Iran-Iraq war, I wish both sides best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, healing Saracens. That'll be interesting. I might, um, I might treat myself to the um, pass if I can. I don't know if it's still the same in the Trail Finder Cup. You could buy a day pass for like six quid. <laughs> Your options like uh, sixty quid for a single ticket, or become a, an Ealing Trail Finder season ticket holder, or some sort of thing. <laughs> Join the fan club. Before our uh, live feed cut sound, um, friend of the pod. And Tier 2 Tour veteran Gavin Doyle mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mentioned, Gavin. mentioned that Tyg Furlong has not or has yet to sign a new contract with the Top Irish 14, RFU baby. and Leinster. Ooh. But with the World Cup in 2023. Do, do you think Ireland could be doing sabbatical stuff? So, possibly. Or Sexton played while he was at Racing, didn't he? Yeah, but they changed the rules because of that. They were they, so disgusted they by form, it. I mean... Ty, surely, unless Ty Furlong is playing in um, New Zealand and he can't get back, surely they will pick Ty Furlong. Well, then, well they didn't for Zebo. Uh, Zebo's not as integral as. No, he's not. Zebo Zebo would equally be pretty pissed off. He would. He said would he's be. gone. He's brought back to Munster. He is. Yeah, that's just nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now here's an interesting one. I don't know what this means, but dual, not dual deal. They had some terminology which I've not heard before. Now, allegedly, it does just mean... IRFU. Co- yeah, IRFU, but the way they co-funded or something? Okay, I thought, yeah. Is that a sponsor deal? That'd be very interesting if it was. I would assume IRFU. co-funding would mean IRFU. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, definitely. So, so he's coming back with Ireland in mind, then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so Andy Farrell's probably looking at that 15 shirt and gone, Jacob Stockdale, probably not going to fill that... Yeah, Hugo Bell. Keenan's looking good. Yeah, uh, but you want competition. You, you want, want competition. two people. Yeah. Mike Haley's not cut the mustard. No, Will no. Addison's a body wreck, unfortunately. Llama yeah. uh, is a bit suspect at fullback at international level. So actually, I think Andy Farrell might go, we need someone solid. Zeebs, get him back. Get him yeah. back. Get him in. It's great. I, I, I think Hugo Keenan has been very, very good. But I'd, I'd love to see, I think those two would be... It, there's real competition there, yeah. which is what you need, because yeah. at the moment it's it's kind of one of one. Yeah, right, cool. just wrap this up because I've realised I've got a CrossFit session at six in the morning. <laughs> Humble brag. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Doing cleans and snatches. Is it a heavy day? Got no idea. Oh. <laughs> Are you going CrossFit 3D? No, I'm doing one in Trafford. I quite like it. Uh, mm. It's where I got my got my car. No, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, where you got your what? So did you say? Is it some something? Did he say car or did he say something else? He did say car. Oh, good. He tailed off. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said it's where I got my cock. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 car. No. <laughs> what you get up to uh, yeah. in your own time in no. Trafford Park is, is that's your business. Back in CrossFit tomorrow. I cannot wait. Awesome. Excellent. Good. But it's, six, it's a 6 a.m. slot. Out the house for 5.40. I can't do... I I, yeah. I just can't do those 6 a.m. ones. No, but... I'm, they're the most sought-after slots. I don't get it. It's insane. They are when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> no, they always are. They're yeah, always the first ones to get booked up. I quite like... There's something about training in the morning. It's so done. I, yeah. Well, and you can get in another session. Later on in the yeah, day. Good yeah. I, I quite like... Getting it out of the way and getting it done. Don't swing on that chair. Don't swing on JB's so, antique chairs. These chairs are so uncomfortable. I'm like, I broke my Ur- up. Yeah. I broke my Urkel chair this weekend. My, my that's, Urkel, that's you got an Urkel chair. Yeah, do you know like that? I can't yeah. remember if I knew You're that. sitting in the chair properly with your bum right back in the seat. Actually, mm. the only way to sit comfortably oh. for this length of time is to sit forward. Yeah, like it's, that. Oh, it's an antique rocking chair, and I rocked back back on it, and uh, I broke it. Really upset. Really upset. Anyway, that's enough of that. Right, up. right. Contact Chases at gmail.com. Your emails, your thoughts. We've had some quizzes sent through, which we'll get to one of those next week. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Chases. We forgot to do this shirt giveaway. We'll definitely do it next time, I promise. Yeah. Next time. Oh, my word. And um, Twitter, Twitter, YouTube, all like that. It. Let the boys play. Yep, I'll get out of my house. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.